Welcome to episode 367 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 367 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good, and you? You're a bit late this morning again. Uh, and we had an interview lined up. I, th- I thought I was on time, and then my phone beeped and said uh, 6.45 interview, and I went, oh, shit, I thought that was 7. Like, it's okay to be late to me, but to, our, to the people we're, we're interviewing? I know. It's you're disrespectful. You're, you're dropping them all, mate. It's disrespectful. Did you have a good swim? I didn't even go swimming. Oh, what's all that about? I was sitting at home doing some work. Why didn't we go earlier? Because I'd get some work done. Uh, I did weights. I mean, see yeah. it? There you go. I was yeah. thinking of you. Yeah, I was at the weights. Yeah. Did yeah. some biceps. Thinking of you. Did some concentration curls. Mm-hmm. That's what you do when you go to the gym. That's good. Do some weights. Okay, guys, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Get some tasty coffee into you. It's the best coffee in the world. Athlinks.com The best place to put your results in the world. Extreme endurance. The best lactic, lactic buffer in the world. Trainingpeaks.com The best... Statistical analysis of your training in the world. And slstry.com. Best trigger in the universe. The universe. <laughs> yeah, just taking oh, it to the next level. Goodness. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We have? We have. Good. We've got an interview, guys. Guys, who are the interview with, John? We've got uh, Dirk and Joe Friel from Training Picks on to talk a bit about fatigue. Mm. And then we have um, some questions and answers at the end. And I notice there's a John's rant in there. Oh yeah, didn't really make sense to me. You know, yeah, when... it was just some notes to myself. Notes to self. Mm. Okay, first of all, we've got some news, and we had Iron Man Cordelaine taken uh, happen last weekend. And uh, John, what happened? A couple of course records is what happened, Bevan. It was a weekend of course records because both of there in France, uh, people were lighting up the course. So lighting it up. Ben Hoffman. Uh, t- when I was a kid, John. Yeah, I had his neighbour. His name was Philip Ray Hunter. And Philip Ray Hunter was a bit of a bad dude. And what he'd do is he'd pour petrol, because I was brought up in a block of flats. Mm-hmm. We were pretty poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was brought up in a block of flats. And he'd put petrol all the way down the driveway, mm-hmm. and then he'd get he'd flame, light it, and I'd mm-hmm. have to chase it. Nice. That was, that was lighting it up. It was lighting Maybe it they up. did that in France. Maybe they did. Yeah. Uh, ben Hoffman took out Coeur Lane in a pretty impressive fashion. He swam 50 minutes. He rode 4.30, and that's what really just killed everybody on the course out there 430 it started at 252 it's pretty sharp 252 run for an 817 new course record so you always wonder about these guys that come through and when it's just i mean these are second tier races um how are they going to how are they going to cope if they go to to Kona and uh, and some of the real big Kona races i mean that's a quality performance it's a course record you've had some good athletes there in the past can he step it up somewhere like Kona do you think you get? Uh, not as a top five, but all these guys like this, I think, are potential sort of five through ten guys if yep. they if they get it together. They had a great but, day. Yeah, top five, I think, possibly not. But he's got the all round game there. You know, he's um, he's swimming at the front of the pack, and he's clearly um, riding bloody well. And uh, he'd obviously need to run a lot quicker, but you know, he had the race done and dusted by that stage. He he came home at eight seventeen, and he was uh, about nine minutes in front of uh, Victor Semensev, who's. Uh, how old is Victor Semenzev? He has been around for ages. He is uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have his age on his profile, but he's been around for flipping ages, but great race by him. He did make a bit of a run at it uh, on the run, whilst he 
only he was still eight or nine minutes behind. Um, he was making up time. He ran about three minutes quicker than Ben Hoffman. And uh, at one stage, you know, you, he made that time up pretty quickly, pretty early on. And then uh, you're wondering if he was going to keep keep it coming. But uh, he would have had to run a pretty special marathon to, to catch Ben Hoffman. So it was all his day. Victor Zmensev came home in second in 8.26. TJ Tolkinson faded on the uh, the run. He wasn't second off the bike and ended up in 8.32. Matthew Russell fourth. And really impressive run by Chris McDonald in fifth place, around 2.49. Wow, that um, is great, isn't it? And Chris is a big unit. and uh, He is a big guy, because he'd be, what, 6'2", 6'3"? Yeah, but plus he's he's solid, you know, yeah. and he's a really good, steady runner. But I'd, I'd normally say, you know, for him, uh, he's sort of a 2-hour 55, sort yeah. of. In that That's sort, a good day for him, uh, traditionally, isn't it? Yeah, in, in, in that sort of zone. But um, I don't know what the hell happened to him on the bike. He only rode 4.56, and he's usually an, an axe. So well, it's I'm, normally the other way around, isn't it? Normally he's axing out the bike and yeah. has a good, solid run. So I don't know whether he got punches or what was going on there, but I would have expected him to ride the same as the other guys. And if he'd done that, he would have been right in the reckoning for um, you know probably getting second or third place. So I don't know what's going on there, but good comeback. I haven't seen a good race from him for a while, so um, that's, that's a pretty steady performance in, in fifth place. I think he did a ride to 70.3. I think got second yeah. somewhere. Anyway, yeah. anyway um, girl side of things, Heather Wirtle just having a good season. She is. Uh, she's, um, yeah, hopefully she accumulates those points. Remember last year, I think it was, was either last year or the year before, she was really having to chase points to get to Kona. And, um, hopefully Surely she, by now. Yeah, because I think she had a reasonable race in Kona, I thought. I can't quite remember. Um, but anyway, she, she took it out relatively comfortably, um, swam 55, rode 507, and ran 309 for a 916. So I typically expect her to go a little bit quicker than that, um, even though that was a course record, can't take anything away. But that's an hour behind the first guy. Um, and she's a, she's a quality athlete, so I wonder whether she was smoking it or whether the guys were just on fire. Um, but nonetheless, she won by 12 minutes. Over Cat Snow, and Cat Snow's a high pedigree athlete. Yeah, so. she's, a, she's a top 10 Kona Yeah, girl. yeah, yeah. So solid performance. So Good to see Cat back in the game, because we hadn't seen so much of her. She got injured, didn't she? Maybe she Not sure. She had a bit of a rough period there for a while. Oh, that's you're thinking of someone else there. Oh, am I? You're okay. thinking of uh, Scottish cat, Cat Morrison. Oh, I am. Yes, I am. Mm. Oh, Cat Snow. Yeah, different person. Uh, they're both the cat woman in my mind. Yeah. Uh, they dress up in black yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, cat and Snow um, probably didn't put on the run that we sometimes expect from her. She ran a 3.05 and we often... Sorry, Cat Morrison. Yeah. Sorry. We often see her. But she does back in the game. She had a result a little while. Yeah, 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 she is. Yeah, it's mm. good to see her back. She's a good chick. Uh, we often expect Cat Snow to, to go three hours flat or even under three hours. Um, even if she'd done that, she still wouldn't have uh, caught up to Heather Wirtle, who was uh, just spanking it and uh, Kate Snow came in 9.28 and then Uli Broom was third in uh, 9.33 and could Candace see Hammond. Kiwis there fifth place 9.43 Candice Hammond oh, it's, it's, it's this American dominated female race isn't it mm. when you look at that which makes sense but it's kind of cool to see all the, the Americans there okay John we also had Ironman France and Course records broken again. I know. Freddie Van Leer, I think he set a course record last year and he and he smashed it again this year. They don't get bonuses, do they? Uh, I, I would doubt it. I've, I've never been, never heard it announced at any races that they'd get bonuses, no. Because so they used to have swim prems and bike prems, you yeah, think? Yeah. Course record would be yeah. worth a few bucks. You, you would have thought so. Yeah. Um, 
so n- n- the Nice course in France is fantastic. So you have a sea swim, and they came out in pretty good time, 48 minutes for Freddie Van Laird. Um, they have a very hilly bike course. You know, it goes flat, and then you're basically riding through some pretty big kahuna hills. Uh, big kahunas! <laughs> and yet they're still riding 4.33. So I think the secret with that is, um, you know, the back half of the race is very, very quick. Um, you know, you've got a lot of descending. I think you've got a lot of straight line descending as well, and uh, all the way down to the finish. And I think... This is perhaps why we see good run times here. The run times this year are sensationally fast. Um, because, well, because you've got so much recovery coming in the, in the back third of the bike, you know, you've got so much downhill where your power's going to be down, you'd expect people to come off the bike a bit fresher. Hopefully they will have got their nutrition sorted out by having such long periods of descending. And so you often do see, see quicker run times here. It's pancake flat, um, it's multi-lap, but uh, Free Van Laird rode 4.33 and then ran... For for uh, two forty two for an eight oh eight fifty eight on a hilly course. That's pretty insane. That is pretty insane. <clears throat> but in saying that, Bert Arnott's his his run time two thirty seven. John, that is amazing. I've, I had a guy who raced this. So I'm going to be interested to look at his GPS file to see if this is accurate. And hopefully it is, because if it is, that's that's a smoking time that is really awesome isn't it yeah 237 and it, it sounded like because we talked to Peter Reid on the legend show and he had it done at 235 but he said oh <laughs> let's be honest team, it's a bit short. <laughs> yeah and so if 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 this is the case I'll get that GPS verified for people for next week wow but look. still even if it's a little bit short that's still a sensational time that really and is something running special, running hard I mean he ran five minutes out of Freddie Van Laird but still finished uh, and let's be honest Freddie Van Laird still ran a 242 which is, is up there at the top speed of that, that oh, sport yeah. isn't it yeah so so great running by those guys and great, great all round and Freddie Van Laird you know um, third place in Kona last year but you know this year see if he can back that up or do we think he's, he can win it like you know, like you you kind of go. He's not one of the names you'd always traditionally think of, but he's proving again and again that he's he's of this level now. I'd be surprised if he won. I think it, I look at him as as like a, a Cameron Brown type athlete for Kona. Wouldn't be surprised to see him second or third. But if one of the stars has just you know, so you feel I, I, he just lacks that last. Yeah, I reckon there's about five guys who can probably win Kona, and they've just got one of them's just got to fire. But if all five, five of them didn't fire, you know, you say you put Pete Jacobs and you put probably Crowy in there and Ray Lewis and, and possibly Marino van Holnacker if he doesn't explode, you've got four or five guys who've just got that star quality about them. But one day there's going to be a day where they don't don't all fire. And, and then if you look at this performance. You know, on a, on a tough bike course, you swam 48, well, that's where you need to be. You, you, you're biking pretty fast on a hard course, and you're running a 242. Mm. You know, I know he's, he should be there or thereabouts. It's um, not taking anything away from that performance. That's the nice pretty thing about Freddie Van Leert is he's been a guy who's just kept developing himself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he's been around for a while now, and he's just kind of kept progressing and progressing. And you often see those guys who, you know, come from, you know, that slow progression forward, but they don't get to this level. Mm. You know, you'll see them get to you know, you know, maybe a top ten in Kona and have that great mm. result. But you know, if he's got a third in Kona and he just keeps finding, he just keeps excelling it to the next level, and it's pretty rare. So you know, who knows? It was uh, it was a solid day at the office. John, just Tim Hemming sent through a, a clip of a YouTube the swim start, the rolling swim start, and I thought I'd show it to you. It's oh, only, did you see it? Uh, I haven't seen it. I'd, it's only twenty seconds. It. Okay, this is the rolling swim start. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what happens is you go in when you want to go in. 
Well, they, they corral you into, into different groups. And I only had um, feedback from one guy who was racing over there. We'll talk about him later on. Um, and he said it worked really well. He, he swam 55. Um, yep. And he said that, you know, he got corralled into the, the sub one hour group and then they sort of went off. So, what, when you sign up, you say, I'm about the swimmer? I don't know if it's when you sign up or, or just on the day you go and line yep. up in your in your section. And he said it worked quite well. You know, you started off with people of all similar ability, so you didn't have to um, battle it out so much. Battle it out through people. And also, that, if you just watch as they go into the water, there, mm. there wasn't a big group of people. Around, you know, kind of spread out evenly. Mm. And but the issue he said is it worked perfectly on a one lap course, or really really well on a one lap course. But he said it was a bloody nightmare on the second lap of the course. But I think it would have been regardless, no matter oh, how you start. He just said, you know, you're swimming over how many, the side people. How many races do you have two lap courses? I don't know, but it's a stupid idea. If you yeah. if, if you've got the space to do a one lap swim, do it. And maybe they don't there. I don't know. But um, it's it's pretty rare, isn't it? Uh, no, it's actually fairly common. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never done a two lap. Have yeah. you? I'm sure you have. Uh, an Ironman, no, but um, yeah, it's, it's more common than you probably realise. It'd be frustrating, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, girl side of things in France, another record setting day for Mary Beth Ellis, uh, crushing it in uh, 9 12. So, interestingly, both um, results this weekend, uh, there's over an hour difference between the first female and male. And again, Mary Beth Ellis, top like, level, like Heather Wirtle, uh, even above Heather Wirtle, you know, she's, um, was she third last year in Canada? I think fourth. Third or fourth, in that top sort. five. Yeah, yeah, she's um, one of the best in the game, right in the reckoning. But uh, but over an hour behind. Uh, Who was it? Who won last year? We got Leander uh, Cave. Leander Cave. Oh, this then is... you had Marinda came second, didn't she? I think she did. I think you're right. Yeah, and then third was it? Mary Beth third. She's either third or fourth. Because Zena faded, mm-hmm. and who was the other person who was there? There was four close to the end, and it was like we were there. Yeah. <laughs> we went there. We interviewed them post race. <laughs> We're pretty sharp, Johnson, in the research. What was really interesting about Mary Beth's race was that she she got the world the world well, the course record. Um, but there was another a Belgian duathlete, former duathlete. Oh no, sorry, no. There's a girl. Yes, here we go. Brit Catherine Flux. She did the same bike time, and she's an age grouper. And got fourth overall. Yeah. Fourth so that, overall. that was sent through by. Uh, Good old sporty doc sent me sent me that through saying uh, she's Catherine Foe is part of the team free speed and uh, she reckons look out for this girl Catherine Foe finished fourth overall she also um, had a fifth overall at the ITU World Long Course Champs in Belfort which was a which was a duathlon so um, I'm just pulling up the World Champs results from last year because it is embarrassing that we don't know it was Leanna we <laughs> we got it completely wrong in the cave one. Yeah, you're looking. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at 2012. Yeah, no, Cave definitely won. Yeah, no, 2012 was last year. Cave won. We got that right. Yeah. Caroline Stephen was second. Oh. Miranda Carfi was third. Sonia Tysik was fourth. And Mary Beth was fifth. Okay. So she was right in the record. We definitely said top five. That was between third and fifth. Third place was Miranda Carfi in 921.41. And in fifth was Mary Beth Alice in 922.57 seconds. She got beaten by 12 seconds from Sonia Tysik, who came home with a 259.26. Still, so our point was Mary Beth Alice <laughs> was, uh, is, a, is a legend. And and then who came in second? Janine Colling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Daphne Palitio. Nice pronunciation, Bevan. Oh, I try. Yeah. And actually did 9.22. Yeah, so 9.12 by, by Mary Beth, um, over an hour behind the guys, but still um, did the business, won by eight minutes, job done.
She's a good chick too. Yeah, she's a good chick. Okay, John. Um, we also had John. You thought you might be interested in this. I know you've already done that. Um, some other results. We had the Swiss man. Yes, and and this looks like a fantastic. Is that a really hard race? Yeah, it's like a it's like a Norseman type thing in Switzerland, and uh, the results here they posted. They only had fifty people. They did it as a bit of a trial by the look of it this year. Only had fifty people um, enter. Enter, or no, fifty people accepted to a race. So they didn't want any more. They may have been massive. Oh, so limited to fifty. People. Limited okay. to fifty. Uh, Marcus Steerity from Switzerland took it out at eleven twenty nine from Raphael Wiss and Andrea Zamboni. Why did they do that? I think it's really just a trial run. They want to, you know, Swiss precision. We want to get it right before we go mental and have 500 people on the course and, and, and everybody's going the wrong direction and we have all these logistical nightmares. So well, I think they probably just want to start really small, just do it as a trial event essentially. And then, how many uh, do they take for Norseman? I have a feeling it's 250. Oh, in so that sort of range okay. yeah. and same deal I think you're self-supported when you do this race on the girls side of things you, had you actually got it right 250 and each athlete needs to be self-supported with the crew for the inaugural race the Smithsman only allowed 50 yeah. so yeah. Uh, Emma Jane Pooley from uh, Great Britain took it out 12.39 over an hour ahead of Andrea Hauser and Julia Nicole Loss from Germany was a 14.46 so that looks like a cool race to go and do one day so I'm curious to see how much they actually charge to do Norseman. Do you know? I'll say if it'd be in Euros, uh, 300 Euros. Okay, race info. Um, I'll carry on while Bevan does that. Uh, good to see Terenzo Bazzoni back in the winner's uh, circle, taking out the 70.3 in Montreux Blanc and had to beat Brett McMahon, who's really the, the probably the form runner on the 70.3 circuit and he beat him on the run and, and took him out so how much did you say i said 300 euros something i don't know no well i don't know what's nko oh that's the uh, norwegian whatever their uh, krona are they got a krona in norway what's that denmark nko it's 2750 yeah, i wouldn't know what that means got a currency converter and work that one out okay i'll work that one out so it turns up as only taking taking that race out nice work well the other piece of news is lisa norden took out a race Yes, you took out a 70.3. And dominated the dojo. Mm -hmm. So Lisa Norton took out... Um, Syracuse. Syracuse, and she won by 23 minutes. Yes. Is she going to go long? Uh, I think she's doing 70.3s at the moment, and she'll uh, she'll do pretty well at those. Okay. Mm. Um, coming up this weekend... Oh, John, there's some big news. I'm Ann Boulder. Wow. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Uh, if you if you haven't listened to the other piece of news this week. Yeah, if you haven't. <laughs> if we are your only news source, you heard it here first. And um, we talk a little bit of, uh, with uh, Joe Friel later in the show just about, I guess, my concerns about people going to altitude and, and, and things you need to think about if you're going and doing that. And uh, he had some interesting stats you can listen to later on. So uh, it'll be an amazing race. Um, the only thing is, is that altitude and, and people just need to factor that in. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure they will have it really humming really nicely for for um, the finish line. And it's just such a triathlon community. And uh, I'm going to line up Barry Siff in the next few weeks and have a bit of a chat to him about it and, and the course profile and all those sorts of things. But it should be um, it should be a good one. It surely it'll be pretty appealing to... Um, wait a second. So if we go New York... Okay. It's about $450 US. For Norseman, right? I finally got that established, yep, which man. is probably about 300 euros. Yeah, okay, <laughs> like okay. So, Boulder is the the kind of sentimental home of triathlon, really. And I know California mm. is it's 340 US, I mean, euro. That's pretty close, yeah, then. yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
So Boulder is kind of the sentimental home of triathlon, isn't it? You know, mm. like, sure, California, kind of where it all kicked in. But really, since long time. Well, it's I've where gone, all the pros go to train. Yeah, it's where everyone – and it's kind of got the iconic thing. I've, you've never been near, have you? No. No, neither. But um, do you think that will appeal to lots of out-of-towners? Do you think it will be that race that everyone wants to go and do? I think I think it will have a lot of appeal. It'll be it'll, it'll be pretty scenic. Um, it gives people the excuse to go to Boulder. They may like us. You know, if if, if I was in the states now, if I lived there and they announced that, I'd I'd consider doing it because it's Boulder. So what time think, of year is it? I think I think it was August fourth, just off the top of my head. Now, does that cancel out Kona people? Uh, it makes it more difficult if that date that I just said is correct. I may be completely well, wrong. Let me pull it up. You, you pull it up, but I, I, I wouldn't say it cancels them out. But you know, you're getting into that sort of Canada to old Ironman Canada time, so it is getting pretty close um, to du- to double up and to do very very well at both. Um, I'd always, you know, if if your Kona is your objective, I'd always be trying to qualify pretty early or qualifying the year before. Um, getting that close to the race makes August things the third, a bit more yeah. challenging because it's unfortunate, really. Because if let's say they did it in June or July. Mm-hmm. I imagine you get a lot of the local top pros just doing it because it's an easy race for them to put in their calendar. It would be, yeah. You know, and then, but a lot of those guys who live in Boulder are obviously going to be aiming for Kona, mm. so they're going to, wow, it's a pity. Mm. You know, so it would be cool because those guys will be there and they'll be watching the race, but it's not going to be the same as having them race the race. Do they really care about the pros or do they want to just get, get more race out of there? The other no, issue- but I think in a place like Boulder, you, you, you've got the market there. Yeah. I you guess- know, like it's silly not to have put it maybe just a little bit earlier and go, okay, well, let's do it as, like, they obviously thought we're well, competing with other races, but if you were to have done the race in June, let's say late June race, mm. a lot of guys would do this race and it'd like it'd be a no-brainer for them because it's at home. They don't have to stress about it. They can get in and do it out and they'd get a strong feel. It'd be great for marketing and, and that would draw, like, you know, one of the appeals of Kona is having all the pros here. It would draw a lot of people and now I think Boulder as a location will probably bring a lot of people in anyway and let's be honest, mm. I mean, don't struggle to draw people to their races but I don't know, it seems silly not to put it at a time that would cancel out a lot of the great athletes live in the area. Yep, it is a shame, but maybe they they want to push people to their North no, just American say I'm right, okay? Just say I'm right. The just just give it to me. The issue that I've got with it, and, and this comes up, I saw an interview with uh, Andrew Messick, is, you know, oh, we keep rolling out these races, and one of the issues we've got is is doing, is doing Kona slots. You know, they keep rolling out more and more races, and this one's probably got 50 Kona slots or 30 Kona slots, and it's just like, there's only so much space on that flipping pair, and they're trying to figure out a solution. I've got a solution for you. What was this? What was, what was this? Did he say, I oh, have a solution? No, he doesn't. He says it's a really difficult solution, we, we, problem we don't have a solution Wait a second, I know. John Newson's solution. Here we go. Don't give the bloody American races so many slots. Uh. Just cut the slots. I mean, how many Ironmans are there in America now? How many slots are there that go to America? It's just not fair, Bevan. It's racism against the rest of the world, is it? It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God. Don't get me started. I've already started, but don't get me. Because you've got a rant coming this week, haven't you? I have. Yeah. The rant of the week's coming up. I love when there's a rant of the week. The other thing that's coming up this weekend is Ironman Austria. Yes, fastest race of the year, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Marino van Holnacker has the course record in 745. That's the world record. No, no. Don't get me started. That's my rant later on. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Last year, Farah Sultan took it out in 8.11. I think for some reason last year it was really, I think it was either crappy well, weather, but it was cold. Doesn't the world record like... Don't, I'll, I'll go on to that. Okay. Don't worry. I'll go okay. on to that. It's coming up. It's coming 745.58 is a course record at Austria, and it is not the world record. 745.58. Yeah. Uh, so this year, somebody who could try to tickle the record, the course record for this race is Andreas Raylert. Yeah. 
And has he got the world record? He has a world iron distance record. Yes. Yes. Uh, Andreas Rayler is only expected to come in at an 801 on this course, according to Torsten. Torsten, mate, sorry, I love your stats, but I think he may be a little bit out of this one. Yeah, well, it just depends if he wants to go for it or not. David Police um, is expected to come in second, according to Torsten, and Frank Hoffer from Austria in third. So really, these names here are, are names that I'm not familiar with. Uh, Mark Twelsick is expected in fifth. Um, so let's have a look at David Police. He's seated he's second, according to Torsten. Police? Is it police? He's only got one result, and he's Ironman Florida and an 8.29. Which Florida is a fast course, so it's pretty decent, but nothing to blow your mind away. Yep. And then Frank Hoffer, who's seated third here from Austria, he's seated a, an 8.21, and he did Ironman Cozumel, and he finished in 37th place wow. in an 8.35, and Ironman Austria, he did 8.35 last year. Dawson, what's all that about? If he did 8.35 last year, how's he going to go 8.21 this year? Well, Austria's a fast course. It is. And it was a slow year last year, so maybe the stats are right. Because, like, um, good old... Uh, Radut. So old Sultan only went 8-11 last year, so maybe oh, maybe yeah. this factors in that last yes. year was a nice, was hey. nice call. Hey, who are we to question statistical men? Yes. So the geek I, that he is, Torsten. I mean, certainly you can't go past Andreas Radut to absolutely crush everybody. You'd expect Mark Twelsick to be up there on the bike along with uh, Philip Graves, and you'll expect the uh, the big man, Peter Vabrusik, to come and... Whip through people on the, the fading part of the marathon and take home fifth place. <laughs> uh, epic Dartmouth is happening in... Oh, uh, Bevan, you sexist pig. Yet again, what do I do? you've ignored the girls. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm not a sexist pig. Erica... I love women. Our friend Erica from Hungary is, is seated first on Torsen's rating. Expected to come in 9.15. Um, and then a lot of the other names again. Uh, we've got Simone... <laughs> Halfen Schneidler Offner. Uh, oh, imagine being five and trying to learn how to spell that is your name. Yeah, expected to come in in second place last year. She did 9.37. Torsen's got her coming in at 9.21. And then seated third from the Republic of South Africa, Diane McEwen, who has done two South Africas and finished sixth and fourth John? each time. Yes. Isn't the view, the view lovely right now? I know, we had two metres of snow at our school. No, nearly three metres of snow in places Mount, Mount, at our... Mount Hart? Yeah. Three metres. But look, the, we've, so we're in our house, we've got the view of the mountains, which is quite pretty right now, and then we've got the red sky coming up behind the mountains. Yeah, it's a beautiful day in Christchurch. It's, it's a beautiful thing, John. Yeah. Um, coming up this weekend... My, hold on, my pick uh, for doing well at this race When is, did we do picks? We stopped doing picks a long time ago. Remember years ago, John wanted to prove how great he was, so we started the... Smoking. <laughs> what was it, the, the weekly pick between Bevan and John? Yeah. It lasted like two weeks. Yeah, it was a bit of extra work. <laughs> um, I'm picking that seated seventh on Torsten's rating, and I've got no idea how to pronounce this Irish name, um, but it looks like to me maybe Ima Mullen, or Mulan uh, from Ireland is seated seventh on Torsten's rating. I reckon she's going to take the race out. I think she won 70.3 in the UK the other day. I think she's going to take it. Okay. Um, right, now, up, sorry. About Carry on. in Canada? Yep. Or Canada? How do you say it? Canada? Uh, Somebody told me Canadian. Anyway, um, <laughs> TT Triathlon to Harlem Men. Canada. Canada, you know, I just, yeah. Um, TT Triathlon in Isle of Man. There's no I in there. I know. I, know, <laughs> I, know, I said it right first time. I was just saying someone said um, hits in Hague in New York. And I'll be really interested to get feedback on that TT race, uh, the TT Triathlon, the Isle of Man. That'll be a cool place to go and race. I think the roads are really smooth over there. Is it TT? Is it the name or is it a time trial triathlon? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. 
Um, there's a new Iron Triathlon show announced for London next February in Excel. Same sorts of video as the world's lung, the biggest triathlon. You've You're pulling things out of the air. Yeah. I don't know anything Biker about this. Biker dies in Ironman Nice. Yes, so somebody died on the bike course, which is um, terrible. And uh, Crash yeah. died, Crash. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. There's how do you avoid there's, there's not much you can do on that as long as you got if, if you get hit by a car that was on the course then you go oh come on race organizer sort it out but I guess I don't know just mm. bad news so our condolences to the, the British triathlon community I think it was a 30 year old Londoner or something mm, like that so, so sad feel it, for his family yeah it's horrible isn't it it is it really is so we, we really feel for his family because it's obviously and obviously the community as a whole because um, you know it's pretty tragic when someone in our sport passes away so mm. thinking of your family um, Jombo anything else on the news front got to give um, the Ironman Foundation a bit of love here they're giving you know um, they don't just grab all the money we often think that but they're giving uh, the Ironman Foundation is giving $55,000 when they go to Coeur d'Alene <coughs> their, their sort of community fund and gets put back into good things in that region so good to see that um, some of the money from these big events actually goes back in the community. Well, they've actually given over half a million dollars to this community. Mm. John, is there a bit of a cynical side of you in this one? No, not really. Oh, because there might be a little bit of me. Okay. Do you think that maybe it's a little bit of buying votes to keep the race here? Well, or do you think it comes from the right place? I don't think it comes from the right place. Good. I'm not cynical at all. It's good. Yeah. Good. good. Yes, good. On. No, no, because no, no, that's very unfair of me to say that because you when, put it out there. Now. You I, can't I know, take and, it back. And as I said it, John, I thought, no, this is totally wrong because I know that when we had an earthquake in Christchurch, yeah. Ironman New Zealand did awesome work at mm-hmm. giving back to our community, didn't they? They did. And they and they provided a lot of money to make sure that people could, you know, you put on your camp because of that money. Yep. You know, they really put a lot into our sport. So sorry, Ironman, that was my bad. You like that? Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, and uh, Ironman, well done. Bloody good work. Go. Ironman betting, John, what's happening there? Uh, it's coming out. I, I don't think Torsten's quite got it ready yet, but it's iam-betting.com. Yep. And it's basically Luke Dragster and Torsten, um, where you can basically Is go Dragster on still racing? Uh, I think so. He raced in Root in like 2006 with me. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you basically go in there and, and they're, they're doing it for, for Root and Ironman Germany and you get to predict the races and they've got prizes from all their team from Planet X and uh, magicsportfood.com and professional endurance team. Um, we will keep you updated on that, but it's im, im-betting.com. I think Torsten was hoping to get it uh, sorted, but you can go on there and you can keep yourself posted by joining up with their database. But we'll be doing that in the next week or two, just having a bit of fun. Doing our picks for if, if you ever meet Luke Drexler, so just ask him how old he is. Right, <laughs> just just ask that question. Yeah, just ask that question. that's all I'm saying. Okay, John's sponsor, Athlinks.com. You know what I did? Uh, what I was thinking about yesterday was. Well, uh, I, I reckon you're probably thinking about what if. Yeah. What, what if I just done this? And and Joe for in our interview <laughs> later on said, if you'd just been a little bit more rested for that uh, that seventy point three, you would have. You wouldn't have had an eight percent drop off in your run pace in your second lap. I know. Um, <laughs> let me just uh, think what I'm doing here, Bevan. You, you're looking at links and you're going to compare if you've done different no, things just, differently just in the race. Yeah. So I'm basically pulling up my result from from Kona seventy point three, and uh, whilst it was you know, I was pleased with my result. It was not spectacular. But John, you were fatigued. I was fatigued. Do you think, in retrospect, you could have raced a better race? Um, like, sure, we can always well, race I, a better race. Think, if I think, right, maybe... Based maybe, on where you were at. Yeah, but maybe, maybe also what I'm thinking here is, 
12 months time, I'm going to have another year of fitness under my belt, should be in a better place. If I replicate what I did this year and go on with the same amount of fatigue, if the conditions are exactly the same, whereabouts would I finish? So what I can do is I can pull up on Athlinks, is pull up my result from this year, and there's a little button there where I can uh, hit recalculate, and yes. then it pops up a little screen telling me all the different things I can do. And then I can go, look, that swim, I would have not, I did not have a great swim. Okay, so what'd you swim? Uh, I'm not sure if this time includes transition or not, but on Athens it says 29:30. And, uh, and what would you what would you normally well, at least be happy with? I would have thought that if I'd had a good swim, I would have been a minute and a half quicker than that. So okay. if I put myself in here, 28 minutes. Okay, now but let's not put the old put results in that when you when you're well tapered. No, no. This is so you, you, you can, so I had a poor start, and I just didn't have the intensity in that first sort of 500. Got dropped and uh, and just. It ended up. It felt like an Ironman swim to me, not a half Ironman. Okay, so you're another minute thirty. Okay, great. Yep. So and you then, get, it's a bike. The bike. I was not as aggressive as I could have been. I was playing it pretty conservative. I was a little bit worried about the heat. I was pretty happy with my position. I was thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just roll with this. But okay. I, but I think I could have quite easily pushed um, a reasonable amount harder and still been able to run well. So I'm gonna. I, I reckon I could have biked, say, three minutes quicker and still had a good run. And so I'm going to drop off three minutes off my time there down to a, uh, a 2.22. This is a bit of a dangerous tool really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now the run, based on Joe Frill's 8% drop off in the second half, do you think you could have gone to like a 6% drop off? I don't think I could, would have run much better yeah. if I'd carried that same level of fatigue in. Yep. If I tapered, yeah, sure, course, yep. different thing. But I probably could have could have potentially run a little bit harder because there was no pressure on in the last um, so you got to lead it off last, a little bit. last mile you, you so, hit the top 10 yeah had it sorted so couldn't, maybe, couldn't next, catch maybe a minute maybe a minute there yeah, we'll give it okay. a minute for, for having a good yep. day so now so okay so you lost about four and a half minutes five minutes oh, overall I got eight <laughs> it's an eight and a half minute gain oh so, so you, you got 10th which is pretty good yeah and that would have taken me up to fifth place oh really would have been uh, first oh. age grouper and, Fifth uh, place because yeah. you've got a lot of love getting top ten. Yeah, You're on the Facebook and on the, all the internet, everyone, everyone was talking about it. There you go. So that you, know? Was, you know, just little best case scenario, little improvements here and there. Uh, what about fifth place? That's what we're going for next year. So next year, that's a goal. I'd like to think I'll be quite a bit quicker next year. Fifth place. Mm. Well, I reckon. Here's my prediction for next year: John Newsom to win the age group. No. Oh, right. Yeah, Crowley, you've got you right where I want you. No, he's, he's not coming back because he's going to go, well, wait a second. If John takes eight minutes off, that's fifth, but then he's going to be fitter. Oh, he's probably on athletics right now going, oh, I'm not going back next year. What do I get if I first age group next year, Bevan? What are you going to give me? Well, I haven't given you the apps yet, have I? No. I? What app do you want? You buy an app and I'll give it to you now. You're probably not even registered to the app store, are you? Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just a funky little tool you can use in athletics, just to play around thing. Didn't I could have lifted my game a little bit here and there, and then it'll basically it'll automatically calculate. Um, obviously, time that's pretty straightforward to do, but then it'll automatically tell you where you would have finished in your um, in the age group and where you would have finished. Um, overall and just sort of where you bump things up so just a fun little tool on athlinks.com and just a reminder if you're not on our but it's a pretty good little tool because then you can also look at your next races and go well actually here's where i can you mm. know and you can actually be a bit more aggressive at different times so. mm. um also if you haven't already done it um go on and join up to the i am talk race team and then we can compare results from all the different races uh for i am talk listeners so just go on there um click under clubs put an i am talk one word and then race team and you'll find our little race team club 
join up to that and then all your results will go in there and we can uh, do a bit of race analysis on who's going fast and good times okay athlinks.com guys okay discussion of the week last week we had a discussion of the week now this was a pretty interesting discussion and I think I thought of it so it had to be well no well you went too narrow yeah did you see the palms in the cricket yeah they capitulated capitulated palms you, you have to take a hard time for this one so you don't know much about cricket there was a big final of some big tournament and the palms were dominating the dojo like they had 18 balls left and they had no they needed like 20 runs and 18 balls or something and had like 6 wickets left or something yeah. stupid like that they lost the game they lost like 4 wickets and 5 balls and then mm-hmm. and they lost and, and, so. and so my question last week was uh, who would be the best cricketer to do, to do a triathlon because they're not the fittest bunch yeah. in the world no. I remember one time years ago I took New Zealand black kits for, for a workout and because uh, you take the rugby players I've taken all blacks in that for workouts and stuff mm. and those boys the all blacks just like to beat themselves up the cricketers mm. are a little bit lazy yeah <laughs> Daniel Vittori now admittedly he was pretty young mm. he was it was just painful like you just yeah was, oh no they're hopeless yeah, so. Shane Bond was one guy that was apparently pretty hardcore he was, he was I pretty good I didn't have good. him that day but anyway um, so, the, so, so, so question, I broadened the horizon John yeah and I came in and said well, cricket's a stupid sport because we're not any good at it and it's actually a pretty fun sport but what if we said just sport in general Mm-hmm. Now we got two types of answers, didn't we, John? Mm-hmm. We got the the silly answers, yeah, and then we got the people who really considered the answer. Glenn Minnett um, considered his answer. He reckons a, a tennis player like Leighton Hewitt, the bloke would get better the longer the match matches goes. He just keeps going. I'd agree with that. He'd, I reckon he'd do pretty well. I reckon tennis players in general, because you think a tennis game lasts about four or five hours, and they're playing a power game, mm. you know. So you think you know half Ironman. They're doing pretty much a half Ironman kind of time in their sport. Mm. And sure, they're stopping a lot, but there's, yeah, I reckon tennis would be pretty good. Okay, well, good old Martin Silverster, uh, he uh, he hasn't gone the serious route. Full the power, Taylor John. Do you watch some darts? Darts player, yeah, I know that name. Multiple world champion darts player. He get the nutrition strategy <laughs> absolutely perfect. Darts is the best sport ever. Have you ever watched some darts? Not in a lot of detail. It's it's absolute gold. It's the pub. The pumps have pub sport, don't they? Oh yeah. It's a big thing, isn't it? Oh yeah. And the crowd, you got the girls, you got the wives in the crowd, yeah, and yeah. you got the signs and. Yeah. Uh, Luke Peel rowers would have to have an advantage, especially on the bike. Steve Redgrave in his prime. Rowers are already showing that they can do triathlon. So. Um, the Candace Hammond, who was fifth at the weekend, she's an ex rower. Oh, is she? Mm. Okay, well, good old, uh, uh, here we go. So, how's it Jane Ear Action? Go for that. You reckon? Uh, Mike Tyson, he wouldn't let anyone pass him. Yeah, you wouldn't want to get into the water next to him, would you? Yeah. You know, imagine if you have a bit of biffo from Tyson in the water. Oh, that would hurt. Mandy Miller, uh, Tony Canahan, uh, the race car driver, did. Great. Also, another driver. Can't remember his name, but both did Kona last year on special considerations. I, think, I think remember that. Yeah, uh, Frank Frank McVeigh, Houdini. He's even changed his name on Facebook. He's got Houdini. Love yeah. that. Even James Owls. He does some kind of CrossFit stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Paul Fitzpatrick, can Mo Farah ride a bike, or how about Andy Murray? Certainly has the fitness and uh, for marathon tennis matches. Yeah, but John Mo Farah was a runner. Yes, yeah. I'm picking his swimming wouldn't be too flash, and Andy Murray's pretty scrawny as well. I don't know what his swimming would be like. Yeah, but Murray, yeah, Beckham, Lucy Francis. I wouldn't mind seeing him and like her workout, sweating it up. That's yeah. one for the ladies. Yeah. Glenn Newbold reckons Kobe Bryant. I've seen this guy train in person, and he takes what it. 
and, and has what it takes to get ready for the NBA season. Plus, he has a mindset to push himself into a world of pain and push through anything. Hayden Sherman's got pro surfaced. Kelly Slater would have the good lungs, cardio, great swim arms, and he's used to a day of exercise. So that's true. Ash Blake thinks Peter Siddle, the Aussie cricketer, huge engine, has a mental toughness to go with it. Good old Stephanie uh, Grandlund, Rafael Nadal, uh, Novak Dokovic, any of the top guys in tennis, they are strong and have incredible endurance. Graham, Graham McCullum, Tiger Woods, apparently for a golfer, he can ride pretty well. <laughs> uh, Joshua Hickory, uh, Lard Hamilton, who's that? Lard Hamilton? Never Don't know, him. never yeah. heard of him. Must be good. Must be. Uh, finally, I've got Matt Selwood, Alistair Cook, as long as he was doing Challenge Wanaka. After all, he's used to beating challenges from Kiwis. Who was it? Alistair Cook. He's the captain of the Great Britain. Nice work, Matt Selwood. As much as we, we give him a hard time for cracking the final, which was a pretty poor effort, yeah. we didn't even get close to the final. So, no. Okay, John, who would you say? Oh, I've got to go down the cricketing path, haven't I? Because uh, I, I initi- initiated the cricketing call. You're going to cricketing? Well, because that was my initial topic. You know, you don't and have I'd to probably, go cricketing. I'd probably go for an Aussie, because Aussies can always swim okay. So I'm going to go for uh, Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh? Yeah. Steve Waugh? Uh, Craig McDermott, actually. Craig McDermott. McDermott. Craig McDermott. I remember McDermott. Fiery I remember because oh. I, I used to watch a lot of cricket when I was younger because I don't watch much sport nowadays, but I used to watch a lot of cricket. And there was one time, it was an amazing test match against West Indies and Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think I was on the last ball of a test match. So it wasn't even a one day or a 2020. It was the mm-hmm. last day. McDermott had to get like, I think, two runs to win the match. Off the last ball, mm. and uh, he didn't do it, but it was just a really amazing test match. Oh, those were the days. McDermott. Mm. Oh, yeah. Craig McDermott. How about you, Bevan? I, I, I'm going to go with a bit of a different angle. I'm going to go with one of those lightweight boxers. Someone oh. like a Pacquiao or someone like that, you know, who mm. don't carry much weight. Mm. Now, their skill sets ain't, ain't going to be flash, so mm. swimming, but biking will run. Mm. You know, those boys, you, you're doing 12 runs of boxing at those those high mm. levels. They are just extremely – and they're probably on drugs, so they're yeah. probably pretty sharp, you yeah. know. Like, so I, I'm thinking someone like that, I'd really love to see not, – not the heavyweight guys because it's just stupid, but yeah. one of those kind of like a, a Pacquiao, kind of like a Mayweather, mm-hmm. you know, the guys who are kind of our weight, our height – to see how they go in endurance sport, I think would be very interesting. There's not a lot of brain power in some of those guys. They're probably just. Well, I don't know, John. Off. I don't want to tell one of those boys there's not much brain power. Well, yeah, I'll just stick clear. <laughs> you know what? You can say that to their face. I'll say, I think you're really wise. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Okay. This week's discussion, John, I vetoed you. Oh, really? Yep. Because Tim Heming sent me through one and it's very good. Well, I've got to add on my part too because I, I, I may just put a post up there. I put a post on my own Facebook page the other day. I wanted some. Uh, some YouTube clips and things like that to watch on the on the trainer, and um, there wasn't much too much a response. People were saying go and do trainer road and stuff like that, and I actually just want to watch some TED talks. Sorry, TED talks. Oh, you got to concentrate on those sort of things. <laughs> Not much brain in this sport. Yeah, no, I just want to know, <laughs> and I'll put a post on there maybe middle of the week. Um, if you've got any good sort of YouTube half hour documentaries or good race footage and stuff that's on YouTube, it's all free, and uh, that I can watch on my trainer. Help me out. Help out a brother. And you, and you want to watch sporting stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you watched Spirit of the Marathon? It's on YouTube. No, I haven't. Good one. Yep, you yep. post that. I'm not going to post it. <laughs> I just told you. I'll share it with other people. Okay. Uh, I don't so, know Bevan, what's your, what's your topic then? Tim Hemings sent it through, so, and it's a good one. Okay. What is the sweetest victory you've ever had? Okay. Just give us the detail. Okay. Tell the story. Yeah. What's your sweetest victory, John? Oh, we'll go on that next week. Well, I'm sure, pretty sure it'll be Peter Reid. Yeah, that'll, that'll be right up there. <laughs> 
wasn't a victory that was second but it was a victory of sorts <laughs> uh, and there's not going to be a lot of people that have had victories in races so it doesn't, no, have, to be, let's just it doesn't say, have to be a first place it's got to be a victory that you just that you felt what was your best ever day mm. yeah, we'll put it that way in best. triathlon well in sport you, everybody's just going to go oh it's when they got married no no you don't want to get married my kid. Yeah, I don't give that crap. Yeah, no sporting. Right, your best ever sporting experience. So it can be other sports, like the time when I was playing for Suburbs Rugby in the final, John. Yeah, and I'm going down the line. I'm running up the field, and we were playing Sydney, and Sydney were unbeaten all season. And people were like, one of our players even said to us, "I'm going to play for Sydney next year because we can't beat them." And then five minutes ago, we're only five minute points down, John. Yeah. I get the ball. I run up the sideline. Run up, line, run up, run up. I get tackled. I turn to my left. My mate, Marky Marks, here, pop the ball up. We win the game. There you go. Oh, John, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. Dave Fish, I know his is going to be the victory in the uh, Wetsuit Aquathon last year. Well, that's no denying that. Mm. Mine would be the year before as well. Yeah, it didn't count. <laughs> trial event. Just invited a few people. Trial just, event. Just like the Swiss man. Trial event. <laughs> trial event. What are you called for the Olympics when they're not an official sport yet? Demonstration Demonstration sport. sport. There we go. Okay, John, let's put some music on. Age group of the week. John had a big yawny bit tired, mate. Oh, not too bad. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. No, I'm good. Why are you yawning? I was just yawning over your, uh, your, you, you and Tim Hemmings' bloody collusion on Hot Topic of the Week. Okay, here's what John was going to have. What are, what <laughs> don't worry, it's on next week. I just copied and pasted on next week's show notes. <laughs> what is stressing you out about most of your training, most about your training or racing endurance? There you go. Just save that. Savor it. Savor it and wait till next week. Oh, life-changing stuff. Neil Walsh is yeah. through this week's age group, and he's got – I'd like to nominate Kevin Desart. I'd go with that. Yeah. He recently raced Ironman Texas on a day of brutal heat and a racer carnage throughout the event. He took on the conditions and t- stood tall to beat just about everyone. What makes his journey so impressive are some of the things he had to overcome to get there. He raced Ironman, Ironman Arizona in 2009 and secured a Kona slot for 2010 event. Uh, right after Arizona, he got a bad case of plantar fasciitis. That is like the worst injury to get, <laughs> isn't it? That's a really tricky one. Uh, yeah. Shortly after that, he and his wife started their own business and had him working, working 16 plus hours a day. In addition, he has three school-aged kids who are all very active. He goes to all their events, so his time is extremely limited. The combination of the three forced him to miss Kona. Oh, that's pretty bugger, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. for a lot of people getting to Kona, that's that's your biggest thing ever. The plantar fasciitis injury lingered for almost two years. His weekly running was limited to a little or no running at all. He has a strong desire to get back into Ironman, but wasn't sure if it was on the cards. As he came along with his running, his overall fitness got back to rock star status. Nice. His career changed in 2012, which increased his free time, although he was still always on the go. So he decided to enter Ironman Texas. Even then... He was dealt a big blow in late 2012 when his daughter sustained a significant concussion playing soccer. It was bad enough that she had to miss over a month of school, so Kevin was obviously focused on her, not triathlon. He and his wife Tina managed to that uh, managed that and got back to, on track with training. 
I've had the pleasure of watching his approach to this one race. Everything he does is with an eye on this event. He hasn't wasted a session. Being a more seasoned athlete, he has an idea of scheduling and how to maximise his precious time. He went to Texas this weekend feeling confident in his approach and he just needed to execute on the day. One thing he didn't plan was for the 90 plus degree temperature and humidity. His hometown of Colorado Springs, Colorado had an unseasonably cold spring so it was no, there was no climate and nonetheless he crushed the race he came in on the next uh, non-wetsuit swim in a 59-20 good for fourth in a, a male 40 to 45 45 to 49 age group he raced a nice and steady on the bike and come in at 445 that's pretty good for a nice and steady ride i actually correct that it's actually 458 I'm on, on the results page here. Okay. And he put in second place and uh, going into the run behind your legendary coffee buddy, Albert Boyce. Oh, so... I'll, I'll go into these results in a minute. I've okay. just pulled them up. Kevin started the run strong, but just about like everyone else on the day, he's, the heat started to beat down on him. He had numerous moments where he thought everything was going to blow up, but he kept at it one mile at a time. He had a strong... He held strong and ran a 3.31.06, 10 minutes faster than anyone else in the age group. He ran into the first place in the age group for a spot in Kona. He finished in the race ending up in a 9.36.52, good for 13th amateur overall. That's pretty impressive. He won the age group by 14 minutes. After being away from Ironman for four years, Kevin showed what good planning in his personal life can do for his hobby of triathlon. He does this all while while helping anyone who wants to learn how to be the best. He is an ambassador for our sport and a great example of perseverance and planning can do when you keep trying to be your best. Good job, Kevin. Where are we getting the p, p-, p- on yours today? On your, yeah. Well, maybe I've just learned how to use the word p to p. It's popping, I've only popping in my ears. Pop. We've got a pop filter, I know. so you shouldn't get that. Okay. Mm. Anyway. Um, maybe I'm emphasising the p. Uh, p- uh, Kevin spanked it because 9.36 in at, tricky at 45, So wait a second, have we actually got his actual age? No, we haven't, but still, impressive. I'll try to pull up his age here. Uh, no, they don't do that. They just give you 45 age to group. 50, so. 45 to 49. So beats Albert. the Albert. Now, Albert didn't look like he had his greatest run there, but still. he. Uh, Albert is the, the 40, marathon The 45 the to 49 age group is very, very competitive. Just Where did Albert get? Albert got second in the age group. Okay, and... Uh, here we go. Sorry, my page just went off funny. I tried to go forward and back. And that is, I think, one of the interesting things about this, you know, about Kevin, is that he is a real example of what years of experience can teach you, mm. and and how you know you're almost going through the same thing right now. You've been an athlete for years, mm. and you know how to manage your time well as you bring this, you know, very kind of life-consuming sport back into your life. And mm. it's, it's one of the things that the newer athlete often struggles with is that they might get into the sport but their whole life kind of falls to pieces around them yep. and it's a it's a very challenging thing especially to be of a level where you're going to win you know your age group in a race it's a very challenging thing to manage that you know three kids busy life you know and make it work but it is possible if you if you are really good at planning and I guess the, the added thing with Kevin is he sounds like he's a really giving guy and is happy to share his time and uh, give advice to others and that's the sort of stuff that I love to see is uh, giving yeah, back yeah, giving back you know obviously going out there and delivering the goods and uh, on the family front and, and also on the racing race course but then actually to go out and share that knowledge with others is fantastic so really well balanced race you know sub hour on the swim on, on a day where Wait, most of the swim times look um, to be reasonably slow and then uh, sub five on the bike and then 330 run which you know I, I'm sure he'd run quicker than that but when you look at his age group and he was fastest by 10 minutes yeah. and, and took and out eight. And, and took out Albert by uh, by 13 minutes 
that's um it's pretty solid day at the office. Yeah, pretty well solid. Nice work, Kevin. Desart. You are a age, age group of the, of the week. week. Okay, John, sponsor SLS Try, and you're saying Rob Green, he's a rock star. So Rob Green um, cracked the Ironman code at the weekend. Uh, he's had a few challenges with the Iron Do I know Rob means, Green? Uh, no, you don't. But okay. he's um, he's a chiropractor from Richmond, Virginia. Okay. And uh, he's, Did we have on the show? Uh, he's, he's sent through quite a few items okay, for, for the show. Yep. And he's been spanking half Ironmans, but he's struggled with tummy issues and things like that for a little while with Ironman. But he went out there and spanked it at 9.45 at uh, have Court Lane. Have we got a photo? No, we don't at this stage. Oh, okay. It was only on yesterday. Um, but the great thing about Rob and his team there, what they did is they had their, they've got their little team of racers and they have they had a tri-singlet, sort of custom-made tri-singlet, and then they all fitted themselves out in uh, I'm Talk shorts. Oh, nice. So, Rob, if you're listening, make sure you do get a, um, yes, a, a, photo a picture through. But that's a cool way of uh, supporting the show, supporting um, one of our sponsors, and uh, and looking stylish as well. And I'm guaranteed... And they're cool shorts, aren't they? He will have got a few shout-outs when he was out on the course. Yeah, go, I'm talking stuff. So just a little way you can identify yourself with the community. Get it all through SLS Try. Well, one thing, John, if you go to SLS Try right now, and we're talking to the females today, and we know the majority of our audience are females. Mm-hmm. Um, they're com, and they've got some new women's clothes out, and we're looking at the women's race top. I'm liking the, it, The FL, FRT women's race top. Mm. It's pretty cool. Stylish. Designs, they've got some new designs on there. Look, have nice. you looked at the back bit? Yeah, it's cool. So you got the you got a grey or a sort of a pinky colour, and it's got a bit of stripe ejection on there. And then on the back, you got a couple of nice cone of flowers on there. And, then, and you've good. got a little like a little pocket for your keys or mm-hmm. for a gel or something in the back there. It's a nice fitting top. Yeah, the essential new FRT women's race top combines all of the essential benefits you require from your favourite tri top: top quality, superior fit, ultimate durability, and unprecedented value. Large centre back pocket to be used for storage gels, MP3 players, and other essentials. The eraser back style provides you with range of support for your shoulder motion, and our fashionable hip length with longer backside enhances your curves. So nice. guys don't think about curves. This is yeah. girl stuff, John. Yeah. Uh, no disturbing, unsupportive self uh, self bra. Um, you wear your favourite sports top underneath. So it's it's and sixty bucks. Nice. 60 so, bucks for a race top. Yeah, so guys, uh, they'll be at Vine Man 70.3, the full Vine Man, Wisconsin, Louisville, High V, Arizona, and Florida. You can check them out there, or you can go to slstry.com and okay, use guys, the code guys, IMTALK. Guys, presence time. Presence time. Presence nice thinking. If your missus, because this is a nice gym top as well, let's be oh, honest. Yeah. You, could, you know, this is something that your missus could wear to the gym. And I'm just saying, if, if you, you know, it's coming at that time, because you know you always say, buy what you want, honey, yep. and you're a bit slack on it, but you, if you do that as well, because the, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, when you often buy them something, they, they wanted that thing anyway, didn't they? Yeah. But just go on there, and try, figure out their size, get one of these things, and they'll go, oh, honey, I can't believe you did that for me. Yeah. And no, go, what's that pair of socks in there with that order as well? Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Let's try sorts. I am talk. What's that? Yeah. Uh, so any, any orders in the states? Uh, free shipping on orders in the states over fifty bucks. Good times. It's our last try, guys. Check it out. Okay, then John, we're going to interview coming up. We're going to interview with two of the legends of the sport. Yep, Dirk Friel and Joe Friel from uh, TrainingPeaks.com. So yeah, guys, we did have a, there was a little bit of cutting out. The Skype wasn't the greatest today, and it cuts out just it, it happens a lot, but it, it doesn't cut out. There's never a time when they cut out for a long time, but just there'll be like a second here or there, mm. and it goes on. It's, it can be a little bit annoying, but you don't need to fast forward it, it will be fine. Yep. Good. Go. <laughs> 
Here they are. <laughs> Good with you, mate. Yeah, well done, nice. mate. Thank you. Here they are. Okay. Um, right. On today's show, we're very happy to have the the Freels from Training Peak back. Training Peak's back. We've got uh, Joe Freel and Dirk Freel live on the line from... Uh, Joe's just got him from, from a ride. Colorado. Even though I was saying to Joe, every every time we get him on the show, he's either just finished a ride or just, just starting and, a And ride. he came back and he said, I'm retired. Yeah. And that's what you do when you're retired. You train your life away. So welcome back to the show, guys. Hi there. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, with the topic today we're going to sort of go over a bit is, is sort of the, the hidden effects or the cumulative effects of, of fatigue. And and I certainly think, you know, this time of the season for, for the North, Northern Hemisphere athletes, um, you know, people are, are doing a lot of racing and and sort of generally build, maybe building towards their, their A race of the season. And, and sometimes people don't back off quite as much as they, they should when they're training hard. But So I was wondering if, if, and you guys, just either one of you, you can fire away answering this, but, you know, when we're talking about training load and, and fitness and, and fatigue, you know, how do you guys, as coaches and advisors, sort of assess how how fatigued people are, and 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 whether that's just from one training session, or whether they've got all this cumulative fatigue into it? So, can just maybe explain what you guys are talking about when you when you're talking about um, cumulative fatigue and, and hidden fatigue? Sure. Let me uh, let me take it back a little bit historically. Give us a little bit of pro, have a have a starting point. Um, before all this technology came around. And uh, I was coaching back in the 80s, in the 90s, actually not until into the early 2000s, actually. Uh, I determined fatigue by calling my athlete and talking to them and listening to their voice and trying to hear inflections and trying to hear how enthusiastic they were and, and basically just trying to get a sense of, of how they were doing over a telephone if I couldn't see them face to face, that which would be obviously better. And uh, now we're to the point with technology that I can actually uh, look at the, the charts and call the athlete and tell them how tired they are. Mm, yeah. It's progressed dramatically. It's gotten to the point now that um, I know a great deal as a coach about the athlete. Uh, they may not be aware of it sometimes. In fact, athletes tend to tend to downplay their fatigue, especially if they're with a group of other athletes. They, they tend not to recognize their own fatigue. And so I think having feedback Back from something like what we do with training peaks is really very valuable, not only for the athlete but also for the coach. So, um, how much of this comes down to, to periodization or, or athletes just sort of smoking themselves? Because you know, a lot of people that will be listening to this are, um, <clears throat> yeah, may just have their their standard sort of week that they just keep on repeating and, and, and change a bit through the season, but. Presumably, you'd find an athlete who's who's got a well periodized plan and, and easier weeks scheduled in. Is it, do you find it a bit easier to predict their, their sort of fatigue, or or is it sort of on a case by case example? No, we certainly can predict it. It's it's quite predictable. Um, if knowing where the athlete is as a starting point, what their how much how much churning load they can manage is always a starting point, uh, and then. Uh, Adding on top of that, knowing we have to increase the turning load in order for the athlete to improve their fitness in order to uh, race better. Knowing all that, it's quite easy to, to periodize it all. But in the, in the final analysis, no matter what, what we're using, whether we're using the coach's uh, sense of what's going on or the athlete's ability to, uh, uh, to pay attention to themselves, it always comes down to it's a very individualized um, activity. Um, every every person is different, 
and the software just gives a good way of trying to figure it out for any given person uh, how they're doing. So that, that's really what it's all about. It still comes down to the individual. I'll, I'll add to that that you know when you enter year two, let's say you've been collecting your data for a year, and you enter that second season with the data from the previous year, it becomes infinitely more um, valuable mm-hmm. because you know maybe where you possibly overtrained last year, where you were possibly too fresh, um, and what were those values. And should we try and target those values again or push the envelope or did we push them too far last year and the person cracked and they got injured, they got, you know, sick, whatever it might be, you might be able to start to put in some governors, you know, into the training program and some targets that you're, you know, focused on. So so whether it be in training peaks or whether it be just some signs people can can pick up on whether they're recovered or not because it's a really fine line you know we we're often in this state of fatigue and mm. if we want to get better then you need to be fatiguing yourself and you need to be pushing the envelope but but what are some triggers i guess you guys can or tips you guys can give to people that they can recognize i'm i'm, I'm right on the edge here or, i'm about to go into a big hole or are there indicators on training peaks that, that can tell people this Turning peaks is the best way of knowing this. Um, you know, if we, if we if we move away again from technology, though, and just talk about the athlete being able to uh, uh, keep track of what's going on themselves, there really are no perfect markers. Um, the best one, probably, that science has found is, uh, is basically your attitude. How how are you uh, how are you coping with the world? If you're getting mad at stoplights when you're driving, that's a, probably a pretty good sign that you're uh, you're pushing the envelope a little bit too much. You're probably fatigued. Uh, and, and for example, my wife can always tell when I've, uh, I've been training too hard. I need to take a break just because of the way I'm grumpy around uh, around her or anybody else. <laughs> so it's, it's a good marker. It's just your attitude is probably your best indicator. It's not perfect, but it's 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 really good. That's what brings us down to something like what we do with training peaks, which is we use uh, technology to help us uh, quantify fatigue and uh, therefore be able to, to watch it, monitor it, and make decisions when we see the numbers getting too high. So that, that's where the real benefit of technology is. Not, not that we change fatigue any, we just are better at recognizing it. Joe, Joe what are the, some of the real common faults you see for beginner athletes that create fatigue? You know, like, you know, these tools are really great, but you know, what are some of the common faults that um, you know, you're seeing with guys and guys and girls who are first coming into the sport and just really go to fatigue too quickly. What, what are some of the common faults you see? Well, the biggest fault is people just don't know their limits, especially when they're brand new to the sport. Um, there's a sense that I should be doing more all the time when they're new, I think. And um, consequently, they can dig a pretty deep hole by doing that. And at, at that level, that at, when you're new to the sport, it really doesn't take a whole lot to create a lot of fatigue. The person who's new to the sport needs more time off, I mean zero workout time uh, to recover, whereas the experienced athlete, the person who's been around the sport for many years can go up for an easy bike ride, for example, or a swim and recover by doing it, whereas the novice can't do that. So the biggest mistake they make is they just try to do too many workouts trying to copy what they've read that uh, good athletes do or pros do perhaps. Yeah, I'd say pacing is another one, you know, just having a good sense of pace, you know, you know, beginners tend to go out, whether it be race day or training day, they just go out way too fast, too hard, burn up, you know, the calories early and more or less bump towards the end. And that causes a lot more fatigue than if they had 
pasted more evenly, you know, throughout the workout. Um, and that can cause a lot of residual fatigue um, by just, you know, going really deep into your reserves. Because one thing that blows me away these days is, um, you know, we see pro athletes um, successfully backing up, say, half Ironmans on, on consecutive weekends. And, uh, and I just find that mind-blowing for, for age groupers to even contemplate um, racing on sort of consecutive weekends. Is, uh, they're just sort of pro, pros, as Joe said, <clears throat> they're at a whole different level in terms of how hard they train and, and how much um, how much yeah, like a half Ironman's going to take out of them. So I guess um, for, for either of you, you know, typically for say a half Ironman, what's, Joe, maybe what, what sort of um, length of recovery do you typically prescribe for say, if we're talking sort of a, a, a middle of the packer, um, someone who's only maybe got a couple of years experience, how long have you typically seen that it takes to get over a half Ironman? Oh, I typically want to allow at least two weeks. Uh, again, it's going to come down to the individual, but I would say you need at least two weeks after a half Ironman to uh, to fully recover. That that doesn't mean zero workouts or two weeks. That just means two weeks of uh, really easy, low-key exercise. We don't even call it training. It's just exercise. Uh, there's no real intent here other than just to remain somewhat active. Um, and after that, then the individual you need to decide. You know, can I can I go back to normal training again, is my body ready? If not, I need to keep on resting. That, that is a really hard call for uh, somebody to make uh, for themselves. That's why having coaches is so valuable. That's why having technology is valuable. It helps you make those decisions. But nevertheless, I, I would say it's at least two weeks. So, so Dirk, maybe can you comment on any of the indicators on training peaks that are going to indicate whether you're um, in a, you know, getting getting yourself fairly smoked, whether it be TSS scores or, or any sort of indicators you've got on there that people can be tracking to, to tell them, you know, how how smoked they might be getting. Yeah, definitely. You know, we we track um, you know like a chronic training load. That's your overall training load effect. That's looking at your last 42 days of workouts. So it's really this really high view overlooking your your training program. Um, and then you know we couple that along with um, some other metrics with acute training load, and that really models the the real short term effect of your workouts. So the the fatigue of your workouts and what they're creating. So that acute training load, it's looking at the last seven days worth of your workouts, and that's going to fluctuate um, faster, quicker than the chronic training load will, and that reflects your fitness. And then the difference between the chronic training load and the acute training load is what we term the training stress balance. And that's more or less how fresh you are. So, you know, when you go into a deep training uh, load, your training stress balance will go negative and it, and it just like it should be um, and you know when we try to peak for a race we need to show up you know fairly fresh more than likely in a positive state um, and you can actually track those numbers and try and pinpoint them so that you could model your training into the future and put in your future what we need training stress scores um, and you can quantify your training so that ideally you show up on race day with high fitness uh, but low fatigue and you're really ready to you know crush it um, so that's that's kind of the I don't I guess the 
the metrics that we track within a chart called the performance management chart. Um, that could be the, those scores can be quantified through a power meter on the bike or simply through heart rate monitor um, on bike and run. Um, or you can use you know a GPS device on the run for pace. So we can do um, threshold pace and get a get a you know quantitative score of um, how that day. And um, really, just you know, I think too many people look at the forest if you or they look at the trees if you will, and we try and look at the overall forest. So not just over analyzing each individual workout, but standing back and seeing the trends over time, and that has a lot. Than just overanalyzing each individual workout. From experience, guys, have you noticed that um, you know when people are really staying on top of these kind of these, these feedback tools that you have for them? Uh, does, does the mental side of the game sit on top of that? Like when they do feel fresh, do you find that they are mentally fresh as well? Is that an obvious kind of do they sit beside each other? Yeah, they do. Um, when somebody's when somebody's tired. Um, Physically tired from training, it shows up in really all aspects of their uh, of their lives. I mentioned attitude a while ago. Certainly, being able to, uh, to be fresh uh, in terms of your mental acuteness is also a good indicator. Can you uh, still do a good job at work, for example, if your job is a, involves being creative or thinking your way through problems and uh, solving issues at work? Uh, being fresh allows you to do that. When you're fatigued, you really can't do as good a job at those things. So being being really tired from overtraining, from overreaching, perhaps is a better way of talking about it, shows up in all aspects of your life. It's not just um, swim, bike, and run. I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to to look at my files from um, my two two recent races, but it's a really tricky thing to sort of manage because I had uh, two recent races. One where I tapered completely for it and um, and and had a fantastic race, and the second one uh, was basically a, a high, <clears throat> heavy volume week of training. You know, 30, 30 hours of training leading into a half Ironman, um, and then you know, raced, um, raced well at both of them. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at that and, and whether you've got any magical formulas on um, tapers and, and what works best for people leading into races or is it just a case of going back and, and looking at previous um, data and, and just sort of tweaking it each time? Yeah, we did have a chance to look at that, John. And uh, uh, interesting stuff, uh, we just went over your two charts. One was an ITU uh, Olympic distance race you did in April. And in June, you came back with 70.3. And uh, the way you prepared the, the last week or so before those two races couldn't have been more different. <laughs> First one, the, the, seven, the, the Olympic distance race, you basically uh, did a really good job. It was kind of like maintaining your, your, uh, your fitness, keeping your, your fatigue low. And you went into the race fresh. And that showed up in the, the uh, results. Uh, I don't have all the data right here in front of me right now, but uh, basically your results showed up, showed that you were racing at a very high level percentage-wise yeah. relative to what yeah. the time, um, and, and ran well off the bike also. Um, so that that really showed up nicely there. Then the other one was just the other side of the coin. It was just the opposite. You went from uh, really uh, you, you you went into the race really very tired. Just came out of a big week, as you mentioned, a 30-hour training week, 
in which your uh, fatigue, what Dirk was talking about a while ago, your acute churning load, your ATL, went up something like 300% by the end of the week. So you, you were knocking on the door of uh, overtraining. Had you kept doing that for another probably week or two weeks, you would have wound up overtrained. It could have been the end of your season. Yeah. right there yeah. uh, but you know it's good to overreach it's, that's one of the things you have to do to get in good shape but you can't come at can't really do it and then at the end of the week also expect your body to be able to handle a, a 70.3 and have a good performance and and you know the performance wasn't terrible but it, it also showed up there that uh, you were tired going into the race uh, yeah. you came off the, the bike and uh, that's always a good sign what do you do on the run yeah Basically, you kept slowing down all the way through it. Your uh, your performance, you were slowing down something like about eight percent second half compared to first half of the of the uh, half marathon. So uh, you know those all those are things that typically show up when you're when you're tired. And all you would have needed really that that one big big week you had had that been timed differently. I, and I know you couldn't because I think it was a camp you read yeah. for recall, right? Yeah. But had you been able to actually control things and, and time things exactly right, what you wanted to have done would have been to do a big camp like that and then take probably about four or five days to recover from it and then race. And you would have found yourself really flying all of a sudden after doing that. So again, rest is the key to uh, performance. And yeah, no, that was... Uh interesting experience I guess and kind of for me is, is, is getting that acclimate, balancing up the acclimatisation with, um, with being in peak shape for the day so um, that's all good stuff guys I mean is there anything else you guys want to sort of add around um, you know fatigue and, and the cumulative effect of fatigue versus just I mean I think Dirk you, you summed it up really nicely rather than just looking at a single workout going oh the reason I was tired this day is because of that one workout but maybe looking at things as a bit more holistically um, but is there, is there anything else you guys want to add around fatigue and, and freshness and, and form and, and indicators people can use around that? Yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. It's uh, it's huge. Um, I've been studying just this topic, these, these three concepts Dirk mentioned, CTL, ATL, and TSB. I've been studying these now for something like about six or seven years, I think. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it all nailed down. Uh, I've got a pretty good sense of what goes on, but I still sense that we can we can be even more uh, precise in measuring all three of these, especially fatigue, than we are right now, uh, and that's going to come around. Um, so, I, for the individual, I think it's primarily a matter if you're if you don't have a coach, for the individual athlete, uh, I would say you really shouldn't trust your intuition to decide whether or not you're tired because athletes tend not to accept fatigue as being a, a reason uh, for anything. Uh, they tend to overlook that. So having something where you get feedback from, um, from technology is a good way of kind of reinforcing what's actually there that you can't see for yourself. So I think it's a, it's a good tool to have. I've, I'm, as I said, I'm still learning about it. Uh, it's a really... Uh, huge topic and uh, there's still a lot more to be figured out as far as how to be able to uh, to uh, uh, put numbers on it and analyze it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say just at the minimum collect the data and maybe have a consultation with the coach every so often and just have them download it and sift through it and, and see what kind of trends that they see with an objective, you know, view. A lot of 
is train in groups, right? And they're just doing group think and they're doing, doing with whatever the group is going to do today and whether they're fatigued or not or ready or not for that workout. So having that objectivity can can really have a good payoff to bounce ideas off um, somebody else. I think another important thing that, that, that these tools are so important is that a lot of us um, we, we we consider our character around our training, and uh, and so if we get through one of these periods where we're over fatigued, we feel we're lacking character. There's that kind of esteem that we lose, and, and if we don't actually if we can't look at the numbers and see, well, actually I'm doing poor training techniques because you know I'm fatiguing myself. You know, you just think I'm losing the battle, and really, if you can use something like training peaks, you can look at it and you go, okay, well, actually, I'm I'm not making the wisest decisions with my training. Hence, I'm I'm losing the battle. Let's be a bit wiser in some of my rest strategies. Yeah, there's no doubt. You're you're right there. That uh, um, having feedback is probably the best thing you can do as an athlete in terms of everything. Actually, I don't care what where the topic may be in training. Feedback is part of the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you're doing uh, is is beneficial no matter what we're talking about. If you're trying to develop a new skill, having immediate feedback is great. If you're trying to monitor your fatigue level, your fitness level, your readiness to race, having feedback is also great. And that's where something like Training Peaks comes in real handy. Yeah, it's great. So, so Dirk, anything happening on the, the Training Peaks front? Are you guys uh, going to be at any upcoming races where we can nab a bit more, a few more profiles and things like that? Oh, for sure. If you're in Boulder, are you guys coming over? Well, Seventy point. Is, is, is a Training Peaks uh, sponsored uh, <laughs> sponsored trip? <laughs> University that week leading into the race weekend, where we're hosting a group of twenty five coaches here, and and um, then that's uh, right at the beginning of August. Seventy point three in Boulder, and they just announced a, a full Ironman in Boulder yeah. for August. So. We are so excited here about that. It's going to be one of the biggest parties you've seen at midnight in downtown Boulder. Can't wait. <laughs> I, I guess one final question. Yeah. It's one final question I've got for both of you, and this is a, a little bit of a concern I have for, for probably for, for Lake Tahoe and for um, for racing an Ironman at Boulder. You know, the, the issue for, for you guys who, who train up there all the time, no problem, but how much of an issue is this going to be for, for guys that are coming from sea level to then go and race at altitude for an Ironman? Sure. I can speak to that uh, from experience. I, I spend my, uh, my winters in uh, Phoenix, which is about... Uh, about uh, 1,500 feet where I there, so roughly about 450 meters. And then I come to Boulder, and um, uh, the altitude here is about 5,500 feet, roughly, what is that? It's roughly uh, uh, 1,500, 1,600 meters, mm. something like that. And so when I come here, I'm immediately know it. Uh, I'm breathing harder than I would be when it's back at for the same the same power output, for example. Breathing harder, heart rate is, is higher at any given output than it would have been back in Phoenix. And that goes on, that, that steadily comes down over about a three or four week period. So it takes roughly three to four weeks to adapt to this. And uh, I know, for example, when I arrive here, I'm going to have I'm going to be roughly eight to ten percent below what I could do back in Phoenix. Um, but as I stay here over the course of three or four weeks, I'll gradually adapt, but I'll still wind up being somewhere around four or five percent slower, if you will, mm-hmm. here than I would 
beginnings. And that's the same for everybody. Even if they're adapted or not, they live their entire lives, they're still going to be 4 or 5% slower at this altitude than they would be back at, um, say, in Phoenix or at sea level. So just to, it's a matter of adaptation. If you can't do that, if you can't get here three or four weeks early, which is really the only way to do it, then the next option is just to be as aerobically fit as you can possibly be before you arrive. Uh, that's the only thing you can really do about it. Um, we used to think that if you could uh, arrive you know, really close to race day, that somehow that would benefit you. You would have less uh, demands on your body if you could arrive, say, less than 24 hours before the start of the race. But now we know that's not the case. Um, it's really not that way at all. It just takes time. So, so if people are racing, say, Tahoe or Boulder in the future, is they just need to lower their power numbers down a bit um, and just go to slightly easier intensity. Yeah, you've really got to lower your expectations. It's something, like I said, if you come to this, it's roughly 8 to 10% mm-hmm. drop in performance over sea level. Mm-hmm. And uh, expect that regard across the board. It's really just the way it is. It's just what it's going to be for the athlete who arrives at, at high altitude without having adapted. Mm. Oh, it should be good times. I'm sure it's going to be one hell of a party up there for that. Yeah. So, guys, if you want to check out any of this stuff, um, go to go to trainingpeaks.com, and um, I use it for, for coaching and for, for tracking all my workouts, which you guys can uh, can check out on a daily basis. So, guys, thanks very much for your time. And, yeah, awesome, um, guys. We'll look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. John, your thoughts? Uh, I should have reached out more for that race. <laughs> well, you couldn't, but no. imagine if you had. What do you yeah. think you could have done? Like, I know you did your, yeah, you, we did the athletics thing before we were on that day based on that condition. Yeah. What if you had done a taper and the race was five days later? Um, well, the, the thing with me with that week is it's still trade off. So, yeah, I traded off a little bit of freshness, but. I would have built quite a bit of fitness that week that I didn't have, especially on the bike. No, no, no. But I'm saying, let's say the week you had that week, and then you had a week off, and then oh, you did right. the race. Um, yeah, and I think I would have done quite a bit better. More than eight minutes better? No, not more than eight minutes. But I think I would have been a bit sharper on the the swim, and probably would have been a bit sharper on the bike, the run. Oh, this second half yeah. of the bike. I think, the bike I, think the, I think the bike. I probably would have yeah, kept running that in. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> hey, I, hey, the facts have spoken. The facts have spoken. Uh, I would have probably biked about the same effort, but may have felt, felt a bit easier, but I probably would have been a little bit sharper for the swim and the, and the run. So I'd probably say three or four minutes maybe. Nice. But I think I was five minutes behind the next age grouper or five minutes behind the winner. can't remember, but I was, I was a fair distance back. Still top 10 it's pretty impressive Um, John we're not going to do Rant of the Week now we're going to sponsor first because I want to put some Rant of the Week music on I'm angry so first of all sponsor Extreme Endurance yes so if you guys are listening outside of the states if you're in the UK make sure you know that they've got xenduranceuk.com so it's its own specialised website just for the UK listeners but but you can obviously you can access that via uh, via xendurance.com and just you select your country just obviously cuts down on your shipping costs and stuff and then if you're in Asia one that's not not on. I didn't see it on Extreme Endurance. Uh, you can go to O2 Creation to get uh, just your straight Extreme Endurance. O2Creation.com. They stock the stuff there, so it's uh, get on that. And they've they've supplied heaps of stuff to us in the past. So good to give O2 Creation a bit of love. And they've also got a European site for you guys uh, in continental Europe or non-English speaking Europe. 
and Kiwis and Aussies. Just remember the promo code IAMTALK5 uh, for a discount on orders New Zealand. That'll just chop a bit off your, your shipping costs. And Athlete of the Hour, Rob Green, who we were talking about just before the SLS. Athlete of the Hour? Yeah. Nice. He, uh, he loves a bit of extreme endurance as Does well. He? Converted a lot of people in his area onto it and was uh, all over it like a rash. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the code IMTalk5. And, uh, well, John, yes. Leslie Patterson, who won the uh, Extreme World Champs, yeah. she was using the X Endurance. Yeah. She's like, I'm using the Extreme Endurance when I won the World Champs. I know. So she, if she's a World Champion, she's using it. It must be good. It must be good, John. Um, and Matthew Russell, who has finished, uh, I think it was either fourth or fifth at Coeur Lane at the weekends, won Ironman Canada as well. And probably one area, I remember last year when I think he won Canada, or the year that he won it, he'd backed that up from, a, from an Ironman fairly, fairly close by. So I think that's one of the key things. If you are looking at backing up races, this is a really important, you know, recovery is really difficult. And if you take the extreme endurance, you know, even if it's just in the, the week or two leading into the race, even if it's just sort of a last-minute thing you might might go in for, it, it really helps your recovery in terms of your muscular f- fatigue post-race and it will enable you to get back into training um, a lot quicker. Boost your performance, fantastic, but also really help your recovery if you're trying to back up races. So check it out, xendurance.com. Do you know what I was thinking as you were talking there, John? What? I don't know what Sandy looks like. I do. Oh, I wish I did. Okay. Because you often talk to people on the show and I've never seen them. I could walk past Sandy in the street unless he talked. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a picture. He's got that movie, movie, movie star sort of Burt Reynolds type. Oh, does he? Uh, no, no, his voice. Is oh, really the voice. Oh, yeah he's, yeah, he's classy. Yeah. Yeah, there's no denying that, but yeah. I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. So Check it out, xendurance.com. Check, check, check it out. Okay, John, <coughs> I'm going to put some music on, some angry music, because John's going to have his rant. Here's some angry music. It's not music. that big a rant, but... I'm going to try to fire you up. Yeah. There we go. Is it like when you beat that person up on the street? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. Don't mess with John Newsom. He's yeah. Get you. <laughs> John's rant of the week. Well, that's a bit friendly for a rant of the week. Okay. I put the angry music on. Oh. <laughs> it pretty fade out immediately. Build. It's a descending set. I'm going to build into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so you're starting kind of fresh, and yeah. then you'll notice your tone will change. Yes. Okay, so John's talking about, he's just, all I've got written in front of me here is, I'm in Melbourne versus 1899. Oh, 1899. Yeah, 1989. So that was the first triathlon, Gold yeah. Coast tri-coverage. So there's two angles to my rant this week. So Saturday morning, uh, Phil, Phil, Phil and Ada and I were on the wind trainers in my garage. Why were you riding? Because it was... <laughs> I was coaching. I torrential was rain. So <laughs> I got in the car. You know when you're so cold that when warming your fingers up again just is like hurts? Yeah. I was in the car with my hands in front of the heaters for like 10 minutes and I'm literally just head down in the shivering position. I was so cold. Because when you're coaching... Standing around. Yeah. Well, no, I was on the bike, and but you're oh, going yeah. so slow because you're next to runners. Yeah. Oh, so so it's Saturday morning in the rain, you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. How many oh. runners did you have turn up? <laughs> we had about 30. Really? Yeah, I was impressed. This is full on rain. Oh, and, and cold. Yeah. Did you see the river? Oh, yeah. When yeah. it was at its peak. Oh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, so you're on the wind trainer. So we're on the wind trainer on Saturday morning and uh, watching Ironman Melbourne from this year. Nice work. And wow. That's a kind of exciting thing to do. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. You watching some? You watch, you watch some bloody talk or something, would you? Yeah, keep you motivated. Talk. Gives me, uh, makes me learn. Anyway, uh, so what you're going along watching it, and 
And about three or four times through the through the show. What do you think was this film? No. Good. No, it wasn't. They're going on Marino Van Holnack, awesome athlete, killing it. Yep. End up finishing second place. Great race. But the commentators, three or four times going through it at least, were going on how he's a world record holder. And it really got me annoyed. So, so when you do it once, you go, okay, it's a mistake. Do it twice? Well, it's technically it's not a mistake. And this is what annoys me is, yeah, okay, Marina Van Holnacker has got the fastest time on, on an Ironman MDOT course. But we all know that Andreas Raylert has got the fastest iron distance time it wrote. And just because it doesn't have an M dot on it, some people decide not to recognise it. And it just really annoys me. And, and so when you were biking, did you get more angry? I did. Yeah, my watts just shot through the roof. Did your beat fill up? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Jim. I mean, he's a beautiful guy, but you know. Just, <laughs> You're a beautiful guy. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, just, that was my, that's my main rant of the week. The other, John, I'm a bit disappointed in your rant of the week. Yeah, well, I just had to get it off my chest. The other, the other issue I had, and... Um, so, so again, I was I I had three trainers, three three sessions on the trainer last week. Another one of the, the the clips that I watched was the Gold Coast Triathlon from 1989. Okay, Pe- this is Pe- Peter Colson sent that through, and it was bloody, it was an amazing field. So you had Mark Allen, you had Dave Scott, you had Scott Tinley, you had Mike Pig, you had all these other guys. It was like a Kona yep. in Australia. Yeah. And what distance? It was like the Nice distance, I think. Okay. But then, but then they did the swim. It must have been some funny distance, actually. But the swim, it was uh, how far was it? It was, I think it was a three or four k swim. But it was all down downstream, so they did it in like twenty minutes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave, Dave Scott's bitching and moaning, complaining that uh, that it's just a stupid place. When, when he's swim. commentating? No, and if, before the race, saying oh. no, well, it's supposed to be a four k swim, and it's going to take us twenty minutes. So how did, how is that fair for the swimmers? Twenty minutes? Yeah. Really? Was it twenty minutes? Yeah, yeah, twenty one minutes. Be awesome, it, it, wouldn't it? It might have been three k. But whatever it was, it took them 20, 21 minutes. And it That'd was be a, a buzz to be swimming, but I don't know. Oh, you could see them swimming along. They were going pretty quick. But it was, it was cool coverage. And what I really liked about it, and I was com- comparing this Ironman Melbourne versus Gold Coast, was as you're going through the race, you know, they've got little pop-up screens in the corner of the guys sort of talking through, you know, what they're going to be doing on the bike and what they're going to be experiencing and, and how they're going to be approaching it and, and so on. It, it really gave both the probably the new watcher and myself a bit more feeling for what was going on yep. versus the Melbourne coverage was was fancy and it was really good picture quality and all that sort of stuff but you basically just got the commentators just commentating on on the course the whole way through and um, I would have you know, and I think they could do this really easily and well at Kona and all different places is have a little pop-up screen in the middle you know Craig Alexander comes on and he's starting to talk about what he's focusing on the bike you know power and all that sort of stuff just a little pop-up thing in the, in is the that what they're doing screen. in 1989 yeah, yeah, they would do. So we're not, we're, not talking power, but you know, they would be pop, have a little pop up thing in the corner saying, you know, when I'm on the bike, it, yeah. you know, when I'm on the bike, I'm going to attack it. You know, there's lots of hills out there, and, you know, 30, 40k into the bike, there's quite a few hills, and I'm just going to attack that part of the course. It'd be and, cool if they could get athletes to do it. You know, if you could say, okay, this is going to be confidential, and it only, it's only going to happen when the race is happening, and you could say your race strategy. You know, so okay, at 30k mark, I'm going to go for it. And then, and, and you know, knowing that you're not going to share that with anyone else before the race starts, and then you could see just are they keeping to their plan? But, but uh, you, 
you could have that, you, but, but even things like, you know, say you're in Kona and they're on the first part of the course, you know, you, you're having guys like Maka and Crowe saying, right, this first, you know, this first part of the course, it's hell for leather, you know, we're going up the Kuakini Highway, there's guys attacking all over the place and this is what I'm going to be focusing on. But yeah, there's, there's heaps of different ways. So I think they do a really good coverage for, for a lot of the Ironman live stuff and you couldn't do, it would be a lot harder John, to I have do to that. Say, I, went, I went and checked out France on this weekend when it was happening. And the one thing I think they can do, definitely do better with their site, this is Bevan's rant, because mm. I don't really rant, I'm not much of a ranter, but is the, 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 the stream's good. Yep. What's happening in the race, giving us update, you know, they try to mix it up with the text that they're putting on there. But I have a, a piece to the side that just says, the current places we know. Leaderboard. Leaderboard. A leaderboard on the side, you know, because it's, you kind of, like I was trying to see who was winning the race, and, and I scroll through, scrolling through, and I couldn't figure it out, and I couldn't even find it, and then I just gave up and left the site. And, and ideally, you, you'd... Keep the you know, scroll through is good. Don't don't get rid of it, but have a leaderboard to the right hand side of it. It's just saying the differentials. Yeah. Basically, the current you know, from last time we took the record or took the recording of it. Here's where we are in the race, and that way you Easy. know you can just come and you you come and go back more. Mm. You Easy. know, yeah. So yeah, John. Yes. Question is wasn't it, much of a rant this week. No, sorry, people. Was, yeah. Anyway, what, 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 yeah. Not a better. Must try harder. Must try harder, John. Mm. Fourth best time of all time. What? What's the fourth best time of all time? I've got the best. I've got the top. Oh right, 20, 27 males. James Kanana, he's the twenty seventh fastest of all time. Sub eight seven fifty nine fifty nine. Right, and he's twenty seventh. That's him twenty seventh. Right, okay. So first, first, <laughs> yeah, I've got him thinking. First four. So you got Raylert, and then you're going to have Holnacker. Yeah, Raylert. Does, does Holnacker get counted a couple of times because he's probably been pretty quick? So is, is Van Holen no, yeah, the, yeah, and, yeah, he has been counted a couple of times. He's got he's currently yes he is second, and he also has another one down later on. But in, not in four. Can you, let's see if you can pull off the top ten. Oh, let's see. Just just get names. Let's see. So you have got Raylu and, and Van Holen. Okay, yes, yes. Third, and then um, uh, Danish dude, um, R- R- Henning. He must be right in the mix there somewhere. He's in the top ten, but he's further down the list. Okay, he's he's actually. Second half of the list. Okay, and then you'd have uh, also in the top ten. You would have no, but we're going for third. Third, and it's not one of those two. No. Hmm. I'll give you a clue. It was a while ago. Well, it'd be Van Leer then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then fourth. Uh, I'd probably go for Jurgen Zach, your best mate. Who you're going to be hanging out with in September? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Fifth. And it's fifth. Is a different person again, is it? Different person again. Van Hulnick is the only person who's in there. Oh no, no. Another person who's in there Probably twice. go Thomas Hellregal maybe No We interviewed him recently On the show oh, Peter Reid Peter Reid Yeah Then Van Hernacker in six yeah. Then Henning He's seventh He did uh, 52 in, in Rort mm-hmm. Then who uh, Then Thomas Hellregal No Hellregal doesn't make it Doesn't he is like 14th um, Maybe uh, Lothar Leader No Leader's 11th and 12th Yeah Okay, Mecca's eighth. Oh, you're right. Because yep. he did it wrote, he did uh, 54 and wrote. Yep. And then Michael Gilner. Michael Gilner, yeah. I don't know him. Yeah, German dude. Oh, that was in 2009. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Where did he go? Um, 55. Right. 755. And then Jürgen Zek, 10th again, and he did 756, and that was in 89. So that's the official distance. I think probably all of those are at Rote almost, are they? Rote and Austria. Austria. Yeah. Yep. And then really after that, you got the next race. After that, you got <coughs> Alexander. He did uh, uh, he's sixteenth. Well, the, yeah, this is the fastest time. He did Melbourne mm. in fifty seven, and then Almere. 
Elmira in Holland. Yep. It's a hard race, isn't it? No, it's flat. Oh, okay. Well, that's challenge. Uh, Jan Van Jan Der Berkel or Mer- Mer- Morel. Okay. And then Frankfurt. Timo Brock did a 59 minute Frankfurt. Arizona. These we're like in the late twenties now. Florida and Frankfurt. So so mainly wrote really wrote dominates, and then a couple. Is that, Wiki, is that Wikipedia? No, this is on Try Two Four Seven. Oh, very good. Yeah, well done. Well done, Try Two Four Seven. And the writer of the article is John Levinson, who listens yeah. to the show. Well done, John. Nice. Love your work. Good article. Okay, so uh, it was a bit of it was a bit of a bit of trivia for you. There you go. Questions and answers. And Kathy sent this run through, and she said, "Slushy talk." Hey guys, I'm one of the back of the packers who has listened to every single episode. I'm psyched up that John is racing again. I think Bevan should do one or two sprint races just to make it fun. Well, I did one this summer, and yeah. I'm a little bit average. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I found uh, the slushy disguise talk interesting, but I wondered one thing. He kept saying slushy in the mouth or pouring over the head as good tricks. Uh, tricks your brain into thinking it's cooling he never said there is research showing that the body core temperature is actually cooling so if you are just tricking your brain but continuing to increase your core temp can that be healthy just wondering and uh, send that off to Paul Larson to get the response. And she said, he said, hi, Kathy, great question. Um, and you've raised an issue. I could have spent more time explaining. Just to confirm, we do see reductions in core, temp- core and total body temperature with ice slushy ingestions. Um, what's different with ice slushy compared to other cooling methods is we actually find higher core rectal temperatures near the end of exercise coupled with longer times to exhaustion or fast faster performances this implies to us that we've likely lowered the brain temperature locally to enable uh, the longer faster harder performance in the heat so you're right i call it a bit of a trick but we um, but we can do as athletes because I'm so obsessed with performance it's my job but you're also right in saying that this little trick could get us into trouble in terms of allowing us to go to new levels and in doing so raise our body temperature uh, a bit higher than we typically would allow it to go it's not a massive increase in core temperature we see after ice slushy ingestions um, about 0.3 of a degree celsius but it is something we need to be aware of as athletes and after we've compared a hot race using an ice slushy finding ways that gets body core temperature back down as soon as possible i.e jump into the, a body of water that you've used for swimming until you feel cool again so there you go Oh, good answer. Thank so you. So it is a bit of a trick and something you just need to be just ever so slightly careful with. If you're racing in Kona, um, whilst the water's really cool, it's probably um, not, the water's not crazy cool in terms of an ice temperature. Actually, going and sitting in the water when you cross the line is probably a good idea. Romeo and Juliet, it's Romeo and Juliet now, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, sent through an amusing piece of news. The lady who was doing a race now, which race was it, John? It's it just was some race in Ireland. Some race in Ireland, and she was going to transition, and uh, she... Got the boobs out. Got the boobs out. But she wasn't the only person getting bits out. The men were dangling around as well, apparently. And she got the red card. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> the poor thing. Yeah. She got the boobs out. and I'd be more offended if the diddle was out. Yeah. Oh, would be too. When I was in road, guys, doodles were out everywhere. Yeah. It was like a doodle fest, and it was like the Europeans are like that, aren't they? Yeah. Just get it out. They yeah. gear. Us Kiwis, we're putting towels on. Yeah. <laughs> got our yeah. undies on. Three pairs of undies on before you changed. Yeah. So she got disqualified, and Mary, Mary, she was horrified when she found out she'd been disqualified. Just shocker. 
So maybe a little bit sexist here, John. Yeah. Maybe uh, a little bit sexist. Final little plug here I've got here is uh, Joanne Fitzgerald is doing uh, some fundraising. She's riding, riding 500Ks in six days across Costa Rica for Alzheimer's Society because it's a massive challenge and it's a great cause. You go to justgiving.com slash Joanne hyphen Fitzgerald if you want to help out the Alzheimer's Society and it's going to be, uh, there's only 35 people doing it and going through Costa Rica would be pretty cool but it's all for a good cause and raising some money for Alzheimer's Society and the UK so check it out okay but anyway um, John how many times have I told you not to check the emails focus on the show well, and you never do <laughs> it's been half the time I'm talking to the show you're doing your emails I sit and cry at night about it yeah I'm you know, uh, sure you do thick skin John thick skin yeah. um, John nicknames yes. now, I'm going to pull up you sent me an email didn't you and I didn't yes. do my homework on this one so uh, okay well I've done a few was it named nicknames the email Probably. Yes, nicknames for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I only got the email this morning. I only check my emails once a day. Well, that's uh, not true. There but, you go. There you I only go. do my emails once a day. Um, so I've got to do these ones, do I? Yeah. Oh, man. Do you want to have a little pause? No. I'm think gonna, about things? Wait, give me a second. You start with... Well, there's one that I want to I want to veto you on. Oh, okay. Okay. I've got, a, I've got a pretty good wicked list of nicknames that I use okay. that help. So I've got them here. Okay. I'll start up with uh, Bruce... Tomahawk Tomlinson. Now, we, we've given that one before, haven't we? I uh, may have done, but that's a good one. Pick it up. All the ones you've got here are ones you've done before. No, I haven't. Well, oh, well. Yes. No, they're not. I've got good so reasons. You've I've given got... me one, two, three, four, five, six. And I've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, of the seven, that one's a nickname. That's number four. That one is. That one is. No, they're not. Newsome, all of these have been well thought a, out. This is unbalanced. Well thought okay, out. Okay, we're going to call. We're going to call. Okay. Well, I'll go Colin the Convict Blosky. I didn't do that one because that's what we've had, had before. So, yep. Colin, nice work. Okay, I'm going to go Darren. How to say it with last name? Faulkner. Darren Faulkner, you're going to be, you know, what was it? The original bull. Yeah. The original. The original no. bull crusher. Oh. The original. Oh, maybe not the bull crusher. Oh, I've got some reference to that as well later on. <laughs> okay, yeah. it was just the original bull. Can the you write that down? Bull. I've written it down because okay, you never send it through to me. No, I don't. So, because uh, I get them so late. <laughs> Tom Hibbard, the serial crusher. I know. Nice. That is good because Hibbard now for overseas. Yeah. Is it Hibbard's? Hubbard's. Hubbard's. That, that, that's where it came from. Close enough. Yeah. So Hubbard's is, makes cereal, breakfast cereal in New Zealand. It's one of the biggest cereal companies. And uh, so the cereal crusher, that's, I'll give you that And one. I've spelt it with cereal, not as a cereal killer. Cereal as in breakfast cereal. Okay, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mike Thomas, I'm going to call him the Prince of the Road. No, it's not very good, is it? Because I've seen one here, Prince of Midia, but it's obviously a basketball player. Prince of what, John? What would be Prince of? Prince of Domination. There we go. There we go. Give him that one. of Domination. Yes. Okay. Uh, Rick Boombopper Laird. Where's Where's Rick come from? So Rick is our chief support crew guy on on Epic Camp in, in Kona. Yep. And I'm running. He's got this mount on his bike, and I'm like, "What the hell is that for?" And he got. He went out for. He did the the hill climb that we did, the crazy hill climb. And on this front of his bloody bike, he's got this little boombox type thing, which, oh, really? which, which connects, um, I guess, by Bluetooth to his iPhone. And so he's riding along, and he's got the stereo sort of <laughs> pumping cold. in front of him. It's like it's like it's yeah. Shorty the Porter's got one, and it's amazing. Shorty's one's about this big, but it can pump out wicked sound. Yeah. 
So I didn't experience the sound. John, does that do your head in? Because that would do your head in well, wouldn't it? if would, you were training would, with him. I would not have ridden with him if he'd had it pumping. Because John doesn't like music. Yeah, so Rick uh, Boom Bopper Laird. Okay, who have I got? James, how do you say that last name, John? I've got no idea. That's why I left it for you. Okay, so it's S-Z-C-Z-Y-G-I-E-L. Sheezel. Sheezel? Sheezel? Sheezel. Yeah, I'm yep. not sure. Okay, I'm going to call him uh, James Thunder Down Under. Thunder Down You know that? Thunder Down Because that could be taken lots of different ways. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Okay, you, you do another one. Uh, I'm Marisa Dirty Rascal Rastetta. And I just came up with that. She, she, she was. Now we've already asked some, someone else. Well, did. she's getting it as well because I've already given it to her. You can't have two nicknames, John. You That's can't. why I thought you cheated. Oh, no, we haven't. No, I haven't given her another nickname. But no, we, but you we, can't have the same nickname for two people. Yeah, you can. We've got thousands on that bloody list now. Oh. Um, but she, she, she was in, in, in Kona and she wanted a nickname, and I just was looking at her, staring her up and down. She said, You're a dirty rascal, Marisa. You d- you d- dirty rascal. You dirty rascal. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, we're going to call Robert Flynn the one-man fast break. The one-man fast break. You know that one? The one-man, the one-man. Robert Flynn, the one-man fast break. break. When he breaks away, it's game over, team. Go home, race for second. Okay, uh, next one I've got is Camelo Lagambina. Lagambina. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I thought that just sounds like a car. Um, you know, like a Lamborghini sort of yep. thing, and so I thought something along Lightning McQueen. Gone for Chick Hicks. What's Chick Hicks? Chick Hicks, Hicks is a character in Lightning McQueen. What's he's, Lightning he's McQueen? A bad, oh my, OMG! Oh, that's Cars, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you don't call it Lightning McQueen. You call it Cars the movie. Okay, Cars the movie. Yeah. Oh, OMG. Chick Hicks is a, is a sort of the baddie in that. In that oh, movie really? There, and he, he's he's on. The Are you looking forward to Monsters coming out? Um, Did you watch the original Monsters? It comes out on free on TV. I will be. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go movies. I love Pixar movies. So Camelo, Chick Hicks, Lagambina. Now, the last one, you've, you've gone with Double you, Nuts. You haven't gone for uh, Greg Williamson. Yeah, I did. What did you give him? Oh, I can't remember now. No, you didn't know I him. Did. You didn't. Are you sure? Positive. Well, I didn't write it down. So it must be true. Uh, okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll do my justification for the, for the last one. Uh, Lentz and Dave. Can I, can I tell a bit of story behind this one? Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Gave us a donation. It gave us the loveliest email. Hey, eh? gave yeah. us you know sometimes you guys give us the best emails. And Lens gave us this really beautiful email, just saying how much he appreciates what we do and all the rest. It was great. And uh, and we respond back. And, and he gave us donation. And his, his email address is Lens Armstrong at, at some somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, I got my email address in 2004 when I loved Lance. Yeah, because I sent him an email saying, "What's up with your email address?" <laughs> The poor bugger will have to justify that email address for the rest of his oh, life. Oh, yeah, he's got to change that. <laughs> so, so, in reference to Lance, and he was obviously a Lance lover, um, I went for Lentz, double nuts, Dayo. Because Lance only has one nut. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll give there that you to go. you. I'll give it to you. Uh, double nuts, Dayo. And that works yeah, too. It does. Yeah, it does work, actually. Double I'll give it to Dayo. you. Okay. Um, Greg Williamson. He's from Christchurch as well, so. Okay, I... Okay, I've given you, I've given this, I've made this one up, I've even used my little site here. Oh my God, yeah. OMG. Okay, isn't afraid to bleed, Greg Willinson. Isn't afraid to bleed. Yes. You fight to the end. Put that one on your signature, Greg. Here we go, isn't put that one. Afraid That's right. to bleed. Yes. Cut me now, I don't care. 
Sweet. So all the donations you guys make the show go to our Kona Fund, and we're off there for 2014. It helps us <gasps> to get over there. And I'm actually, I'm actually mentally preparing for the workload I've got already. Yeah, good. Because basically, John's having a holiday. Well You're paying for a holiday, yeah. and I'm going to be working my butt off. I'll be, I'm going to go for two and a half weeks. So I'll do. I'm going to do quite a bit in the week before. Try to get some interviews there. Oh, are and you? Then, and then, yeah, and then the week of, I don't have to do anything. You have to do stuff, but. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Because we've, 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 we've nailed our Kona experience. We know yeah. how to do it. We turn up. First year, we're all over the place. We hired bikes. How yeah. stupid was that? Yeah. <laughs> bikes everywhere. Second year, we're like, no, you need a car. Third, last year, we almost had spare time last year. Yeah. Because the it's second year, we still did 16-hour days. Last year, we got to like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 6 o'clock, and we're like, oh, okay, let's go buy some chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did every night. Yeah. Bought some chocolate and... Yeah, so I mean, if, yeah, I'll still be there to do do a little bit, but um, you know, if we can do, you know, so I'm going to be the roaming guy, aren't I? Yeah, if we, do, I'll probably be doing, you know, if we do two or three interviews a day, um, I'm going to do two and a half weeks too, then. Okay. No, no, but I won't come with you. I'm not. I'm not going to do the the week where you're trying to get interviews beforehand. I'll come with Joe because what I'll do is I'll get Joe to come. We could do a holiday around it, mm. and then she can come and help me be my roaming reporter. We'll come down to Manalani afterwards. That's what I'm. I'm actually going to be trying to sort oh, out. So you have got to go post. So yeah, so Belinda will come in like on Friday before the race, um, and then watch the race on Saturday, and then on Sunday we'll cru- cruise out to Manalani. I'm trying to get them to sort out some sort of deal. So because po- is fantastic, but it's it's quite a way down the yeah, highway. It's so far it's, away. to be to do, to stay there for the race is you got to be pretty well organised. Uh, so I'll probably go there for a week and a half before, and then go into town like on the Tuesday, Tuesday to okay. race day, and then go back out okay. there afterwards for three. But I know because the only reason I want to bring Joe over beforehand is so she can help me. All oh, right. So I can have a helper. Okay. Or, or, okay, okay, who, we'll have a competition. Who wants to be Bevan's helper? Okay, you can meet some stars. Because you'll get a media pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so on race day, you can do the media thing and we'll get official because you'll be my official helper. Mm. And you've got to be someone who I kind of like. Yeah. How do we determine that? Although well, I like everyone. You can, you can. The I am talk out. official helper. Yeah. It's got a good ring to it. There you go. And then you don't have to feel bad because you mm. don't feel bad that I'm out there. Mm. Someone gets this core cool experience where they get to meet all the pros. Mm-hmm. They get to be a helper, get the media pass. Good position on the pier. Good position on the pier. Mm. And then they just get their core cool experience. Just hold the microphone, ask yeah. a few questions. Yeah, you, you get on the show because I, as much as I ask lots of questions, I'll, I'll put the mic next to you occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one question every interview you'll get. Yeah. That's, that's your, oh, John, we made it work. There you go. Who's going to be the I am, to, and we'll even buy them a top. So we'll have John and Bevan's we'll top. buy them the top we get given from uh, WTC. No, O2 Creations. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but we'll get you and I top, yeah. and then we'll get the I Am to- Helper top. There you go. The bitch. The bitch. <laughs> <laughs> put, on, put on the back. I'm, I'm the I Am Talk bitch. Oh, John, I'm not going. Have we got another sponsor? Uh, have we done Coffees of Hawaii? I don't think we no, missed we a sponsor. Have we done? No, no, we're all good. We're all good. SLS Yep no, We had training picks athletes. today as well We had training picks Oh okay so We only sponsor. have four per show Bevan John We're here for the listener Okay John Sponsors Coffeesofwire.com Albert next year mate You'll get him Extreme <laughs> endurance um, Electric buffer In the UK Athletics um, John Eight minutes if you, Eight minutes and eight percent faster yes. Really it was the key Yes And SLS try um, Who was your friend? Green Rob Green, Green, you're a legend. Mm. Okay, John, uh, what you got? I heard you had a fall. Are you following my blog page, are you? No, no, Belinda did a photography course with Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Sunday morning, uh, beautiful day. We'd had, we'd had three days of torrential oh, rain. Oh, we had like two weeks of horrible weather. <laughs> and uh, Sunday morning's nice and fine. And uh, I was plan- I had a scheduled bike ride, so I thought, I was looking out the window going, 
too bad on my roof. And so I got about 100 meters down the road on my, oh, on on my bike. bike. No, this is on my bike. And then I was looking at the road and it was white and I was going, this is not a good idea. No, because the problem was we'd had, seriously, I don't think it's ever, I've ever seen that much rain for that oh, long. No, it, it was, was big, you know, Forrest Gump, big droopy rain. It was like yeah. that for like five days. Yeah. And then, but then the next, the day we got out of it, it was just frosty cold, yeah, wasn't it? it was freezing. So, and I didn't, I just couldn't stomach going on the trainer for the fourth session in a week when it was beautiful and sunny outside. Fair enough. Yep. So I just gave the Phil the call, said, I'm not biking, bugger this, uh, we'll go for a two hour run. Went for a run. <laughs> You're hardcore. And, uh, and then one came into my run, just slammed over on some ice. <laughs> right on the hip. Didn't it? It's one, I was saying to Phil, like, when you fall off the bike, you almost got like a second or a millisecond where you can response see it time. coming and respond. Yeah. All I knew was on my hip. I was just like, oh, how did that happen? Oh, really? It was quite a bad fall, but that was okay. Have you got bruising? Yeah, nice bruise. Um, and then we carried on up past your place and went over the summit road and that. Should have popped in. And, uh, well, we, we should have done because we were bloody walking half the run because it was so icy everywhere and running uh, running on the snow and stuff. Kind I of hate cool. runs like that because it's just frustrating. Uh, it, was, it was kind of kind of fun at the same time. Didn't get amazing amount of conditioning out of it, but it was kind of cool to run on the snow and what oh, have yeah. you. So that was all cool. Um, but yeah, basically back in action on the training front. This week is actually where I actually start to crank the intensity again. I'm going to be riding up and down your bloody road five or six times today. Do you want me to do a coffee every time? That would be handy. I'll just be at the top because yep. I want to go yep. do the jug again. So How long does it take you to come up and down my road? Uh, I don't go that fast. Five or six minutes. Yeah. What do you reckon you could TT it in? Mm, under five. It'd be a good little challenge, wouldn't it? Mm, I should do that one day. What, what Hackthorn or Dyer's? Hackthorn. Yeah, Hackthorn's. I think Dyes is steeper at parts, mm. but Hackthorn's a little more consistent climb. Yep. Yeah. So that's about it, really. What else has been going on? Got Tommy's interview today with his teacher first interview we've got. Well, parent, teacher interview. Parent teacher interview. How's he going at school? He's going all right. He likes he loves, it? He loves it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. This is not, not the sharpest tool in the box, but he's. he's uh, <laughs> just like his dad. Just like his dad. <laughs> you gave that one to me. He's, he's improving pretty quickly. So uh, so it's all good. Hey, I was never the sharpest school and look how I've turned out. The Bikery JD Duathlon first round this weekend. The Bikery? Yep. What's the Bikery? New bike shop in town. Check it. Got to check it out. where you go to get your, uh, your power bike, mix. Change bike shops like a. Well, no, Bike Cycle is their online. Brand bikecycle.co.nz. The bikery is the name of their new shop, which is in the tannery development. Cool shop. Uh, if you need to get power meters, power to max, uh, they've got it. The Sipo, they've got it. Really good price. So, your races this weekend? JD Duathlon, the bikery JD Duathlon, first round this weekend. Where is it? Runapuna. 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 Yeah. You can come <clears> and do it. You can come and do the duathlons. What day is it? Sunday? Nah. Afternoon. <laughs> Oh, maybe I could. Uh, I always say I could, and then I'll get Sunday afternoon, I'll go play my piano. 2.4k run, 16k bike, 2.4k run. You can knock that out. Oh, yeah, I could do it. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe not. Uh, I'll play my piano. So, I was a bit of a man last weekend, John. Bit of a man, were you? Because I'm not much of a man's man. Mm. I know it. I'm, mm. maybe, I'm a yeah. pretty boy. Feminine, I live yeah. in an aerobics world. Yeah. I can't deny it. And, uh, John, uh, my mate rings me and he goes, Do you want to come around to my house and give me a hand while I'm doing it at my house? Yeah, I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're, you're six on my list, so it's just <laughs> last call, buddy. Last call. But I'm not much of a mate's mate like that. Like I don't do that, not because I don't want to, but I'm just always away, and I always yeah. feel bad because my mates will do these kind of men's working men thing, and yeah. and I wanted to do it, but I'm just never here. Yeah. And so it gives me a text I'm at the gym doing some pumping some more weights because yeah. look at massive. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge, massive. Yeah. yeah. 
24 inch pythons massive that's what Hulk Hogan used to say wasn't it yeah and uh, and so I thought I'd be pumping some weights and he said can you come around and get me and I thought yeah mate I'll come around so I went around spent about 5 hours helping doing up the house Yeah. I stripped the whole well not the whole room by myself but stripped the wallpaper for 4 or 5 hours that's not fun it's fun and not fun at the same time, John. Demolishing things is fun. Stripping wallpaper is not Demolishing fun. Demolishing things is fun. Mm. You get a sledgehammer, you smash a wall in. Mm. You feel good about yourself. There, there is something manly about that. Mm. Stripping wallpaper is a bit more delicate. Mm. But it is good when you get that one sheet and <laughs> from the bottom to the top. Yeah. That was that was good. Unfortunately, I didn't get much of that. Most of it was scraping the crap out of these walls, but I did that, so I felt pretty manly manly. Wallpaper's the thing of the past. Well, there was a the thing. They're doing up their house. Yeah. They're getting rid of... Their house is like 90 years old. Right. She just replied it. No, but what Re- people do nowadays is no, because he's got leather and plaster underneath. Right. So they're replastering the wall. Right. But nowadays, what I did in St. Martin's, because I had leather and plaster, I just put new walls over the top of it. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just put an extra layer of uh, jib mm. over. AQC. Mm. AQC is a funny thing. We've got, we've got earthquakes in Christchurch, and AQC are like the, the government insurance company, aren't they? Mm. And, uh, and so they're really anal about what they'll fix. So they'll, they'll do the whole house, not that bedroom. <laughs> 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 and, and the builder's got to plaster it, but oh no, we're not taking the wallpaper off. Yeah. So they, they'll do everything, and they were doing that bedroom, but they just wouldn't take the wallpaper off. Yeah. I can't complain, we did okay out of it. Did you? Same as you Well, no, we didn't do great, we did okay. We actually did, because we, we were. Oh, you know what, John, did you see it down by my garage? Yeah, some building going on in there. Somebody else hit it again. <laughs> really? <laughs> so we've got this pole. We've got a, so how do you describe a house? We've got a house. And then split level split on the side level. of the hill. <laughs> you did really well then. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have seen that. And we've got, we've got our top lower deck, lower, lower part of the house is a garage and bedroom and bathroom. And then the top area is the main living and all the rest of it. And we've got a deck that comes off and I don't know, and you move on. And then underneath it is another garage. Yeah. And the deck is supported by this pole. Mm. And it's a pretty important pole. Yeah. And about about four or five months ago, someone drove into it. It wasn't yeah. that bad, but no, they didn't come and tell us. And I, was, yeah. I thought that was pretty poor form. Yeah. You know, if you're going to drive into someone's house and pole, and, you know, <laughs> at least knock on the door and say, look, mate, sorry, I did this. Yeah. Get a call the other night. And the problem is we never go down to that part of the house. Like, yeah. I, it's, the, the second garage is lower than where we need to go. So yeah. John sees it more than I do. Yeah. Because that's where you park, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so, so get a call from my neighbor the other night. Oh, you realize your pole's been broken again. And it was, it was like, it was like broken in half, like snapped in yeah. half. The deck was dropping down. It wasn't a good place. Did the people tell us? No. Youths of today. They've also done that up the road at the, the Cup Cafe. Somebody's crashed into that too. The Cup? Mm. Crashed into the Cup? Well, one of the poles, again, it's just snapped in half. If you're going to crash into someone's house... You're going to go and tell them. Knock on their door. Mm. Like, you know what? I'll pay the bill. I don't care. Like, it's 400 bucks, so be it. But... It's not happy. The table there should be the rant of the week. That John, actually, it is. Where's the human decency? Have you ever hit someone's car and not told them? No, <laughs> never. Can I tell you a really funny story that was not going to put me in a good light? It's it's time second on, but yeah, go for it. So years ago, John. Now this is it's wrong what I did, but I justify it to myself. You justify it every day of your life. Every day, I'm parking in the park, and you know sometimes you get. You'll park and there's a gap between the two cars which is too small. Mm-hmm. Very too small, which is fair enough. So I'm parking in this park and there's a so what happened was the gutters here, this is a great podcasting by the way, mm-hmm. and I parked there and there's a the park that's probably half a car size mm. in front of my car before the gutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, or the driveway, you know. Yeah. So no one could park in front of me, but the person behind me had any space, so it was all I could do. A mini mm. parks. 
No, it must have been the mini pack behind me. So it must have been behind me there was the gap. There's mini packs behind me because there was enough of a gap for a mini, mm. but they parked so close to me that I couldn't get out. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't get out, John. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing I could do. Yeah. The, seriously, the gap was two millimeters. Yeah. I'm thinking, what can I do? I need to get out of here. There was no gap. There was not enough of a gap. I couldn't even three point turn. Even if I did a yeah. hundred three point turns, yeah. couldn't do it. So I think, well, Maybe I was give the mini a bit of a nudge. Oh, I would have. Now, now, John, the mini isn't some crappy old mini. It was someone who was obviously done up a mini and made it yeah. back to original form. It was a classy mini. So I get in the car, put the car in reverse, and, and I got a bit of a bumper bar. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so yeah, I just, yeah, not a bumper bar, I mean a uh, uh, tow bar. Oh, tow bar. Tow, tow bar. Oh, so I thought I'd just get the tow bar. And just get, and so, so I put it delicately, because yeah. I knew the person gave me the car. I could pick up the car, push it, just slightly give it a nice, slightly give it a nice, yeah. slightly give it a nice. Sweet, got enough space. Start to move forward. The, my, 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 what does he call it? Toe ball. Toe <laughs> it got underneath the mini's bumper. Nice. <laughs> so, so, so the mini's attached to my car. Nice. <laughs> so, so, I'm stuck there with this mini's. <laughs> this mini's stuck to my car. So I think, well, what do I do? <laughs> so, so I, just, I just put the foot down. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, it's classic podcasting. <laughs> Deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> the bumper bar came off the mini. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I just tried to wave. These guys were looking at me, I gave the wave on the Got it sorted. Oh, that's oh. a good one. <laughs> I took no responsibility. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, they're fine. If you got a mini, give a gap. If you got a, you're missing a bumper back from 1987, Seriously, you know where to find it. Seriously, I drove away in the bumper. On the ground, and I just, oh, I'm just. These guys looked at me. I gave him a wave, and away he went. Never got in trouble for it. So, but I don't take ethic. I, don't, I wasn't in the wrong, was I, John? I don't, I don't believe you were. <laughs> no, I think you're all good in the hood. Oh, there you go. This is my mini story. There you go. Okay, John, you let's get that up. one wrapped up for seven years. Yeah, it was just not the kind of story you tell people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just told the whole world. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. Oh well. Anyway, do a fitness, want to do any of your fitness behaviours around your behaviour on that day? Ethically, what should have yeah, I done? What, yeah. what, what was the other option? There was no other option. No. 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 I could have waited. Mm. No. They made a choice, John. They, they made the choice. They made a choice that made me made a choice. Mm. John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I mean, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick, Kick car. car.